0: hello everybody welcome back to another week of shaggin flies coming at you for the 22nd time and for the first time in a minute a second week in a row this time we are bringing you a cosmically meandering conversation with ellen adair best known as an actor for their work on shows including homeland and billions but for our purposes equally as well known as an artist poet, a reader, a writer, and most importantly, a gigantic Phillies fan. Uh, We spent almost a whole hour at the outset just talking about acting and all of its intricacies and possibilities and infinities. Uh, We learned that Ellen Adair is not actually their full name, which is kind of a pattern on the show, if you might have noticed. We talked about Phillies fandom, of course, and baseball parks and the unmatched aesthetic of baseball and all the other things we usually hit and they also regaled us with probably the most interesting and thoughtful ghost story uh, in my opinion that we've actually gotten so far so if you don't have time to listen to the whole thing make sure you check that part out uh without further ado though i'll let you get to the rest of it here is episode number 22 of shaggin flies with ellen adair
1: The show where are you? baseball tmz um, um yeah zach
0: where are you uh so there's the cia compound a few blocks away and um no i'm in southwestern <laughs> michigan uh <laughs> but uh, why oh family place up here Came up for oh nice get away from I'm I'm weary of society Ben so it came to the I don't know I don't blame you I don't blame you I mean it
2: definitely looks like where you are is like a a place to go when you are weary of society Mm -hmm. yeah and it definitely I mean I haven't spent a ton of time and did you say southwestern Michigan
0: Mm -hmm, that is correct Yes.
2: Uh, yes it does sort of look like I would imagine southwestern Michigan to look. From yeah, the right inside the of a building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's you not know, just in the like woods. wood like paneling two rooms up
0: in here, you know.
2: Yeah. Oh, nice. There's some like nice curtains, some framed are, art. I think, um, yeah. a little is... from of I'm making one of those paintings hmm. that my mom, my parents parents like both basically. Uh, academics who study art mm. and so like i'm yeah, making one of one of those paintings into like a seascape which seems totally inappropriate but i'm sure that mm. that's just how far away it is
1: so i'm going to totally interrupt the good it's... flow that we've got right now to say zach i think you're yeah. on a delay oh wonderful so let's do the test let's do it ready okay when i say three on three raise your hand one two three Ah, Zach's on a delight.
0: All right. Out, out and back. I'll be back in a sec.
2: What was that series about Robert Durst where he... The jinx. Is, the jinx, yes, where he basically confesses.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, on a hot mic. Nice. Where he-
2: on a hot mic in the bathroom. <laughs> god bless oh, hot mics lord yes
1: yeah um anyway it's a good
2: thing that you didn't have like any you know bodies of people that you had killed that you were like,
1: oh Gosh, yeah no, no. yeah stupid it is stupid internet now what am i gonna do with these bodies
2: <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's, the two thoughts
1: really like logically flow. right exactly all right well anyway so ellen thank I'm you t- for being here
2: oh my goodness thank Shag- you for Christ. asking me
1: Oh my god, like it is it is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to have you. Um how how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. You good? Yeah?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it does sort of feel like there was A small window of time in which I could just answer that question without also having to add on the proviso, like given the circumstances of the world in general. Um, But yes, I feel like even when I don't have personally the best day, I have to consider that I'm doing great in comparison to the state of the world in general. Yeah,
1: (laughs) that is a that's a great perspective to have. That's it is so good. To like zoom out every now and then, like it's the uh, uh the thing I always say is uh, when in doubt zoom out. It's really nice hmm. to like if you're like super in your head about things. And I will get this way oh where gosh, I'm like yeah. super super in my head about things. I just came, so I mean, great example. I'm in like a, a weird headspace right now because I just came back from. I uh, I met a friend uh, from high school who lived in California. She was in town tonight and I met up with her and a few friends for some drinks and so like I was in like social mode you know you like you flip that switch and you're like and I have this weird thing I do this with podcasts too where like I'll talk a whole lot and then afterwards I'll have almost no memory of what I said (laughs) I I don't know why I do that but at the same time I kind of like go through everyone's reactions to whatever was coming out of my mouth and I'm like did I screw that up like and there will be so many times where I will be kind of like in my own head. And then it's really good sometimes to just sit there and just be like, you know what? Like zoom out a little bit and be like, we're all just floating on a rock hurtling through space. And how silly of me to like be concerned about, I know some people they, you say that they're like, Oh God, I can't handle that. I have a friend who does that where I'll just be like, man, you know, we're just hurtling through space on a tiny rock. He's like, don't make me feel that small. Yeah, But for me, it helps to just be like, you know what? In relation to everything else that's going on, whatever, man, I'm good.
2: It's of solace to me, too, generally. I feel like, and I empathize with many of the things that you were saying. At one point, I said, like, oh, yes. And I didn't mean, like, oh, yeah, Ben, like when you get in your head. (laughs) I I was identifying with what you were saying. I I gathered that. (laughs) Um, But I feel like just sort of creating figuring out how to create a little bit of separation between myself and whatever it is that's causing me great anxiety. Um, you know, just like, for example, yeah. Philadelphia Phillies, just <laughs> like, just being able to be like, I will be the observer of these yes. thoughts for a second. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: Ellen, yeah. You're, you're already my best friend. Because, oh my like, gosh.
2: I'm so excited. That, that is
1: that my, my favorite. Friend. That is my favorite thing to be like, to, 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 it's this thing that I've kind of like realized over the past like year or two of this idea. And I say realize as if I came up with it, like it's no, but this idea of like, you are not your thoughts that you are that sometimes if I get like anxious about something, I'll just sit there and be like, look at Ben getting anxious. Like yeah. that's silly. That's silly man. <laughs> yeah. Like sitting there ben. getting worried about things.
2: Though you say, I still feel like, We are capable of realizing something very basic because I feel like in sometimes the most basic things are the most difficult things to truly understand. We can understand them cognitively, but it is so hard to actually like put that into practice. And so I and I also feel like anything that is actually of any value is always something that a person teaches themselves so somebody can tell you like whatever lesson it is a a bajillion jillion times but the only time that it is actually worth it is when like i realize oh hey like this thing the lesson (laughs) all right that like people have been trying to tell me my entire life great yeah
1: nope you're absolutely right that's uh
0: we just got a pair of life coaches on the oh, show gosh, already yeah. and i love it
1: Dude, i need yeah, the motivation man. we are we are all just thanks for through putting space up with us this rock. Zach. we are we are hurtling through space oh, on a rock and <laughs> we are just you know hurtling what?
0: through the space on a rock we are tiny 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 little specks of dust but the three of us are all here and but we're that's, uh, it strikes yeah, man. me it strikes me as um, in spite of Ellen, I follow you on Twitter. We are here right now. Uh, but generally speaking, I know pretty much nothing about you. So for myself and for the benefit of the listeners, give me give me the the Ellen Adair story in a nutshell. Uh,
1: yes, the Ellen have Adair we started this story, podcast? You <laughs> We have started. We, <laughs> I we... Were just <laughs> okay. Nope, nope, nope. Great. Great, this great. is no, 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 no. Ellen. Love, this love... is what I'm telling I'm you. This is the show. <laughs> the show is this is the seinfeld of podcasts <laughs> it is a podcast about nothing i i pitched an idea to nick and i had to come up i couldn't pitch him like this idea of like it's a podcast about nothing where we just kind of talk and so i was like well it's this podcast where we talk to baseball fans about why they love baseball which we do talk mm. about but there. Right. we get there, we it, get there. I, I don't care where this goes it's it be can go anywhere. road yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, I, I we want to hear the the Ellen Adair origin story. Where are you from? Um, you you are for those who don't know, you are an actor uh, professionally. Indeed, and uh, you've been acting for a long time, from what I understand, since since you were young. So, what I want what I want to hear, and I'll shut up so that because this is <laughs> this is you. This is all about you. Uh, I'm so. Boring, where are you? <laughs> no, no, you are not. I will prove that wrong. This episode. Uh, where are you from? Where did you grow We're up? Well known as the Boring People Podcast, <laughs> right? Um, and and how did you specifically? How did you get into acting? Why is that uh, something that you've you've pursued all your uh, most of your life?
2: So uh, I'm from Philadelphia originally. Uh, which is, you know, why I'm a Phillies fan. Nobody chooses the Phillies. Nobody is from like Iowa. And yeah. it's like, you know what, I think I'll be a Phillies fan in the way that like people will just decide I'm a Red Sox fan, even though yeah. I've never lived in Boston or whatever it is. <laughs> so yes, I'm from Philadelphia originally. And uh, I moved to Bloomington, Indiana. When I was in elementary school, my family moved. I didn't move by myself. I wasn't.
1: You were seven. You're like I'm (laughs) out of here. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. I need there's something for me in Bloomington. Yeah, exactly.
2: I just need grass. I need I need space to run in. Mom and Dad, I'm out of here. Grass Um, and
0: cows and agriculture, man, and corn. What every seven year old needs.
2: Yes, I mean actually, it's kind. It's kind of true. I was like, I have a yard. I was (laughs) floored. Uh so um. Um, and both of those are home for me, both Philadelphia and Indiana, because my mom is in Philadelphia and my dad is in Bloomington, Indiana. So uh, I I don't I feel like I can't actually fully claim either one and have like, you know, weird gaps in my knowledge about both, essentially. Um, and then I went to school in Boston And I stuck around Boston for a few years before I went on tour. I spent a couple of years like not really living anywhere. I mean, my stuff was in my mom's house in Philadelphia because I was just kind of bouncing around with a bunch of regional theater gigs. And uh, and then I moved to New York. And that's now I live here in Queens. And I love it. I love Queens so much. It's like not cool except for it is like in the, in like, it's just authentic and it's super diverse and, but it's not like cool the way that Brooklyn is cool. I'm just like, has, oh God, uh,
1: has, has Kevin James's reign as King ended yet or is it still?
2: I, the you know, King... I, I... <laughs>
1: that was a, I love that. That was a King of Queens joke that I lobbed out there and nobody caught. And I love that.
2: No, 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 no. I got it. I got it. I, I mean, as far as I know, he's still the King of Queens. But, uh, no, it just I'm... wasn't funny. <laughs>
1: was Ellen's like, no, 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 I got it. It just was bad.
2: No, I was just about to like answer your question. Like as far as I know, there's no other King of Queens uh, that I know of. But yeah, I don't know. That doesn't feel like the Queens that I live in um, necessarily. That's just like
1: 20 years old so yeah that makes sense
2: um yeah I I live in Jackson Heights which is like there's a lot of Indian people and there's a lot of like oh, Colombian Heights. people and Tibetan and Nepali and Bangladeshi and it's uh it's awesome I love is that every time I come up in the train and there's like an entire street is blocked off because there's just like a bangladeshi music festival i'm like this is my place
1: that's super cool um isn't zach is jackson heights where bradford was from no um i don't why why am i for some reason i thought that's what he he was was from
0: um where's peter parker from that's where he's from oh yeah
1: wherever peter parker is from where (laughs) is peter parker from Yeah, you don't know. You we should just interrupt know. this podcast, too. <laughs> yeah, this uh, Wikipedia does not help me at all. It's just like, he's from Queens. I'm like, yeah, I know he's from Queens. Yeah. <laughs> what Queens part of Queens? Of what was it's the high school? It was the same high oh, school. Oh man, it was Forest Hills, Forest Hills. Oh okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, <laughs> never mind. I interrupted for literally no benefit at all. So <laughs> please. No, I here. mean,
2: I you're providing <laughs> the listeners with very important now information. We, now we know. Second,
1: yeah, second time that's been mentioned. Um. Anyways, so okay, so you. So in terms queen, of the now, acting yeah.
2: question, yes, uh I. I have wanted to be an actor for my whole life, which does uh, belie some lack of personal development, I realize. But I think it is, to some extent in my bloodline um though unfortunately my parents are not in the profession at all because that would be super helpful to me like nepotism is how most people well not most but like at least how 50% of people who are stars it seems like actually get to where they're going oh yeah shout Um, out
1: Nicolas Cage it's not that not that not that Nick Cage is not a great actor I think I personally think he is oh my gosh it definitely helps to be related to Francis Ford Coppola
2: you have to be a good actor You know, like it's just but you're going to be more likely to sort of meet the right people and be in the right rooms and so on. If you have parents or, you know, family who can make those introductions for you. So my grandmother on my mother's side um, was an actor and uh, studied at the neighborhood playhouse, which uh, may not mean things to like everybody. But Sanford Meisner was there and she studied with Martha Graham. And uh, however, she... um, She had a big family. My mom's one of seven siblings and was the uh, the sort of artistic director of the Portland Civic Theater for a time. This is there in Portland, Oregon. And so like not a a famous actor uh, in terms of the whole world, but definitely well beloved in the Portland theater scene. And my... Not Adair, uh, is the same. Oh, by the way, <laughs> Adair is my middle name. I know everybody mm-hmm. thinks it's my last name. Oh,
1: this um, is this is news to me. Can, yeah, can I, I mean it's news your... to
2: many people.
1: Oh, wait, is this a SAG thing?
2: It well, sort of. So, in my family, and I realize this is a complete digression, but let me just tell That's you: if you do. wanted the, to have the a name podcast, of this
1: podcast, was going to be complete digression. <laughs>
2: if you want to have a fun. podcast. About nothing, I am the most qualified person this to be on perfect. that podcast. <laughs> I mean, that is why Joe Poznanski let me on the podcast so many times, which they're perfect. you know, supposed to talk about meaninglessness. So um I uh, my family calls me Ellen Adair, the two names together, like Mary Kate or something like that. And oh, okay.. okay. I never sense. particularly liked Ellen by itself. Ellen Adair, I think, is quite nice. but Ellen, She's but when ring. you know, when you're like seven years old and people ask you what your name is and you say Ellen Adair, and they're confused, you're like, "It's Ellen. It's just Ellen, or at least right, that was right. my experience. So I always had this kind of wish that more people would call me Ellen Adair without it being weird and needing an explanation. And yeah. so, When I was a young person graduating college, I thought I will make Ellen Adair my stage name and then people will call me Ellen Adair. And I think I just didn't really think through the fact that that would just become my name. You know, and that like people that I was in a show with would meet my dad and be like, Mr. Adair. It's so nice to meet you. No, actually, sorry. I've been lying to you this whole time. Um, So my last name now is Gildy. That is my married last name. But I, you know, I use all three names. So yes, in both in SAG and in Actors' Equity, my name is Ellen Adair. And uh, I mean, you know, I get checks written to Ellen Adair. I deposit them. All the time, Uh, and my maiden name is Glassy, Um, like Lassie the dog with a G. Oh, Uh, yes. So I, it's Scottish. It means blue green in Scots Gaelic. Oh,
1: so your last name's a color. Very cool.
2: Yeah. Very cool. Kind of cool.
1: You know that. So was there when you when you did it for SAG? Was this a I just I want to go by Ellen Adair, or was there already? And Ellen, uh, whatever your last name was at the time.
2: There was no Ellen Glassy. No, I was okay. just like, I want to be Ellen Adair. No, I had decided. And I mean, I guess I was fortunate that there wasn't another Ellen Adair in SAG or equity before that, because <laughs> actually um, it's a strange day, friends, because. My husband texted me (laughs) this afternoon uh, being like, oh, this gave me a scare because he has, because uh, this is my husband, Eric, is like the best person. And independently, like I never asked him to do this, but he has a sort of like Google news alerts for Ellen Adair. And so he (laughs) got in.
1: Can I I just say that's adorable?
2: It's he's he's legitimately like the best. That's adorable. Yes, he's 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 very adorable, and yes, wonderful in every way, and uh and so, and I mean I think this is this is like I never thought to do this about myself, but I like that he has ultimately like spared me having to see something that I wouldn't want to see about myself. I guess I mean, I, God willing, I should be so famous. So uh, anyway, it turns out Ellen Adair died. Um, there's an Ellen Adair in South Carolina who passed. And uh, and, he and my husband was like, alert? "Yeah, he got the news oh alert <laughs> one."
0: And he was like, "I
2: panicked for a second, and then I realized like you weren't born in 1940." Um, <laughs> also, but yeah, I feel actually, like he would
1: know. Like,
2: <laughs> yes, I feel like he yeah. would
1: know. If probably that he
2: would know by the time it got to like obituary. <laughs> right. st- yeah, somebody right. would have been like interviewing him about like who's yeah. the next of kin. But yeah, <laughs> right. I was actually just reading about her she was a church pianist and at times an organist like this is literally what i was doing while oh i was God. you know waiting for, to get to talk to you guys on this podcast was i was reading
1: about Elena
2: Dare who passed so yes fortunately um that Elena Dare was a musician and not an actor and so those na- the names were available uh it was just it was just my my like you know young idea that I wanted my stage name to be Ellen Adair. Those,
1: uh, those name things, especially in, in SAG are always so fascinating to me, the way that it causes famous people to change their names because there was like, you know, Michael J. Fox, for example, there was already a Michael Fox. So he was just like, I don't know, J. And that's why he's Michael J. Fox or my favorite one. uh, um, Kirk Douglas. Mm. When he, he is Uh, or was he's he's dead now polish and he had a very polish name so when he came to the u.s he changed it to kirk douglas because he wanted to be accepted by americans and we were like very particular with our racism at the time we're like no no no, polish people no and
2: uh we're always particular with our racism i know i know know. (laughs) it's
1: just it's just funny to me that like side note it's hilarious to me in a bad way that like we were so like we were like, no, 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 we're not just racist uh, against people who have different skin colors. We're racist against Italians and Irish people and Polish people like, like just what? Why? This is so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all yeah, so white
0: dumb. supremacy runs deep, man. <laughs> yeah. But it then when does. you're like
1: when you're getting picky between the white people, like right, even right. That, it's, uh, like, yeah. it's like, come on now. This is a whole ass construct, bro. Oh my but god, there's, I there's know, I know, man. man. But, um, but anyway, uh, so so names, Kirk, yeah, Kirk Douglas has a son, Michael Douglas, the actor, and <laughs> it's, uh, it's very helpful, right? Well, and then <laughs> another man named Michael Douglas r- wants to be an actor, and he registers with SAG, and there's already a Michael Douglas, so he changes his last name to Keaton. And that's Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's real last name is Douglas. And the whole reason that Michael Keaton had to change his name is because Kirk Douglas decided to originally change his name.
2: I love it. Which is I hilarious so to
1: me. I mean, um, so yeah. Mel, Mel Brooks' real name is Albert Einstein, if I remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> what Actually, is Mel Brooks' real name Mel Brooks? Now I wonder.
2: It, it feels yeah. implausible to me.
1: It feels I, like
2: think that I know who most had to deal with that is an actor who goes by the name of Delaney Williams, who is on like The Wire, amongst other things, um, oh. like, like, a you know, a well known actor, but his name is actually Bill Delaney. Um, but there oh. was already a William Delaney. And so he was like, I'll just swap them, which Mel-
1: Melvin Kaminsky, by the way, yes. that's Mel yep. Brooks's real name.
2: That sounds like his name. 100%. I would um, have a hard yeah. time I think <sighs> would I changing my first name?
1: Yeah. And, but I oh, immediately
2: yeah. I'm immediately reassessing that because like to be an actor is to be very used to people calling you by other names because lots of times sure. you're on the set and they don't necessarily sure. like in the moment they don't remember. They just remember your character name and I'm fine. Like I, you can call me my character name. You can call me my actual name. Like I have no real preference. I just want to know when you mean me so that I do the thing that you want me to do. Um, so yes, I, in that sense, like I, I frequently get used to responding to a different name. So eh, I could probably do it.
1: Well, and I can understand it for some people like, uh, you know, when you're Elton John and your real name is Reginald Dwight, Like, and you want to do music, maybe change it from Reginald to, uh, you know, Elton or uh, Elvis Costello when your real name is Declan McManus. Uh, then yeah, you maybe change it to Elvis. That sounds a little cooler than Declan. Oh,
2: I don't know. So, Actually, I'd kind of like to be Declan McManus.
1: That is, that is Can I change
2: my name to Declan McManus,
1: <laughs> The most Scottish name. That's my, my I English mean, right there. Let's, you, you could not create like a more <laughs> Scottish name than Declan McManus. Um, but anyway, so
2: So acting. I still don't think I answered your question about acting. Yes. No, no, no. no. So,
1: so, no, no, no. It's great. This is is fantastic. So what I want to ask specifically about acting is what is it about the art of acting specifically that really draws you in? Like this is – I want to know. I want to hear the moment where you were like, this is what I got to do for the rest of my life. Like not – like I did, you know, I in high school I did some theater and acting, and I was like, "Oh, this is really fun." But there was never a moment where I was like, "This is what I want to do with my life." Because the actor's life, I know, I have one of my best friends was a professional actor for like six or seven years in D.C. The actor's life is it's hard. Terrible. It's awful. It's, it's really. He He did, truly he did awful. Uh, stage acting almost entirely. He did a little bit of extra work um, on screen. But he was doing local theater scene in D.C. He was doing you know, Shakespeare children's th- yeah they do. Uh, he was doing some Shakespeare. He was doing uh, you know children's theater. He kind of eventually landed on he he got into like doing puppet work for kids and stuff, which was great. But it's it's really really hard to make a living as an actor. So uh, so you have to have that passion for it. I feel like to be like this is what I want to do. So where was there a singular moment or was there a, what was it that made you say? This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And what is it about acting that keeps you doing it? What is it about the the art of the craft that you that you love so much?
2: I want to answer your question, but I also want to know, what's the name of your best friend? I mean, besides me. At first, I thought you were talking about me because you were going to say it was your best friend. <laughs> so uh, I was like, his,
1: yeah. I'm... No, no, no. Na- um, his name is Alex Miletic. Uh, okay. he, uh, he did, like I said, he did probably... He was a professional actor in D.C. for I want to say it was it was probably more like five or six years right out of college. He graduated with a, a theater degree from University of Maryland. And a political science degree he was a double major i i used to joke that Perhaps. a double major in political science and theater means he can pretend to be a good lawyer or something um that's what but, i do uh, for my job <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, yeah you did do that you did do that yeah um, and you didn't but, even have uh, to double uh, major in politics. yeah you didn't even have the double major yeah exactly but uh yeah he did he did a bunch of stage stuff and uh and then eventually was hired by kaiser permanente to do children's theater where they would like go to elementary schools or middle or high schools and do uh, plays where they were like for like little kids, like put on your seatbelts and they would like be in a big puppet costume and stuff like that. And it was, it was one of those things where like, you know, it paid the bills and it was fun enough to do. And uh, it's, it's funny because you can tell, or I was able to tell eventually when I met like his actor friends the uh professional actors and you could tell the difference between them and like the community theater actors because mm-hmm. a lot of the professional actors are like look it's a job <laughs> like i just got to do this it's my-. and then the community theater actors are like i know all the words to every song in hairspray want to do them <laughs> and it's and it's like there was this like yes. this this weird like naivete And joy that the community theater actors had that the professional actors are like, Look, I don't know if I'm going to eat this one. (laughs) I just got to do something. If I'm doing dinner theater and I'm doing Death of a Salesman in a Bennigan's, it's what I'm doing.
2: Like. It's, it's so accurate. I mean, we would all be so lucky to do death of a salesman. I mean, yeah, honestly, right. it's, it's, In a at, even at dinners. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: <laughs> but anyway, <sighs> so what can... is it, what is it about acting that, that you love that got you into it and that keeps you, keeps you doing it? Uh,
2: I think that the overarching answer is transformation and it, The To slightly digress on the thing I was going to say before, because my aunt and my grandmother lived in Portland, Oregon, and I never did live in Portland, Oregon, I knew that they were actors and like admired them from afar. But it wasn't that I grew up around it, and it wasn't that I was like, I want to be like my aunt, and so therefore I want to be an actor. I feel like by the time I had... I mean, I, I absolutely, like, did w- worship both of them, and I still do. Um, my grandmother has passed, but um, I I had already had the moment, which was actually a community theater production. And we saw, and I was, I mean, I was not yet in school. Uh, and we saw a friend of ours uh, be in the Mikado, the Gilbert and Sullivan
1: oh, okay. operetta. Okay.
2: And he was a different person and I thought ah. that's cool. So uh, that's the earliest moment that I remember and I wasn't even like I was just like that that's the coolest thing I can think of. Like I know I know this family friend of ours but then I saw him up there and he was different and that's great. And I mean, ultimately, I feel like a lot of little kids, and I guess this is why I said that it belies some lack of personal development, like a lot of kids are like, I want to play where I pretend to be whatever. And I guess I just like never got out of that particular phase. Oh, yeah. Um, But I don't know if it did particularly fascinate me because I like there is there is a and I learned this like a month ago that my paternal great grandfather was also an actor but like oh, wow. he he left my great grandmother to like go be an actor in hollywood he just like left her with a kid
1: oh wow he was
2: he was like some enough part a Native American that he could portray Native Americans in like silent uh, films like in very oh wow. very early films I did not know this until very recently so I was like oh my god, so wild so anyway I mean I was just immediately like this is the thing that I love like I saw I think my first Shakespeare play also before I was in i mean it might be kindergarten like i was very young and i was also very young when my parents took me to see kenneth branagh's henry v the the film oh my
1: gosh my mom raves about that
2: is that the um um
1: i get i get the biographies mixed up a little bit is that the one with ian mckellen in it no no what's the kenneth i thought it was kenneth Branagh a shakespeare production where one of the biographies that Richard. Ian McKellen was in. Ian
2: McKellen has a Richard III that said... Richard Third. Sort of, that's yes, what I'm thinking yes. of. But Richard Kenneth Branagh is, I believe, not affiliated with that. Oh, I thought he production. was.
1: For, I See, that's what I'm talking about. I get them all mixed up. But anyways, <laughs> you know, no. Yeah, yeah, that's I've, I've only ever English seen letters. Kenneth Branagh's... Uh, um, Wait, let, let him finish the story. Let him let finish the Please story. Please finish the story. But yes, he's he's great. That's all I was saying. He's great.
2: I think his Henry V is the best, but also, like, it was... It is the way that I, like really received so much I think like though I had seen Shakespeare before I I just feel like it hit me in a different way so it's very sort of like seminal piece for me and I mean I was like six and I was like I need to go see this Four or five more times, I made my parents keep taking me back because I just loved Kenneth Branagh and Henry V so much. And I, I wrote to the um, theater and I asked them for the poster. And so, like, oh, I no guess they did not get a lot of requests <laughs> from like six-year-old girls being like, "Can I please have the Kenneth Branagh Henry the poster?" So they gave it to me. Um, yeah. Uh, so That's I, amazing. in some ways, I don't. I almost don't remember. Not wanting to be an actor, and the thing that keeps me absolutely hooked is that it feels like a bodily requirement for me that I get to be other people. That's I. So
1: cool. Yeah. Just
2: feel ultimately trapped. In myself, if I, like, I am fine. Like, it's not that I hate myself. It's just that I'm singular. And I think that this is my theory about humanity in general, is that we are all infinite. Every single person is, has the capacity for anything, could do anything in any moment. And so by acting, it's like I get to be the parts of myself that I don't get to be by being me. I And I get to be the parts of myself that like in an essence I am homesick for, but there's no way, there's no way for any one single life to express the infinity of any human soul. Okay. And so that's why... Acting like it is as necessary for me, though I don't need to act as often as I eat, it is as necessary. Like, if somebody told me that I could never act again, like not even in a community theater production or something, I would be like, I choose death. <laughs> um, Man, which yeah. I, yeah, I, just, I, I don't, I don't say we, to be a downer, <laughs> like, fortunately, I feel I like. <laughs>
0: Totally that's, get it. That's valid. No, and we're we're all rearrangements of like the same six particles in just thousands and bazillions of different forms. So you know, yeah, man.
1: I think yeah. I think
0: the the infinity theory theory sounds good. Oh, to um, even to so, even yeah, go. To, <laughs>
1: uh, oh, good, ahead, good. Ahead. Yeah, so I
0: was I was going to ask, so you, that's, given that we were, what we were talking about earlier with just the difficulty of acting, whether it's in the film industry or the theater industry and how difficult it is to make a living there, was there, like, for having wanted to do that for such a long time, did you always have the confidence that you were going to be able to see that through as a career path, or was there a moment when you were like, oh, like, this is actually, this is going to work, like, I'm going to, I'm going to get this, Yeah.
2: Uh I didn't, I did not I absolutely did not have that confidence. And I mean, you know, uh, talk to me on different days and I feel like I maybe still don't have that confidence sometimes. But I think, you know it's funny because I just I just did it when I was a kid. I didn't have any in some sense like aspiration, It wasn't like I was like, I want to be on a television show or like, I mean, you know, and partly I was in Bloomington, Indiana. So it's not like there were a lot of opportunities for me to to like audition for professional productions. Um, And I mean, I did actually end up doing my first professional production when I was 15. But I I didn't. It was just about wanting to play. It wasn't about like thinking in any sense about the career or even, and this is strange given that like it is, it was a career for my grandmother and it is a career for my aunt. Like I didn't even really wrap my head around it. It was just the thing that I loved more than anything else. And I remember very clearly being in a production of The Crucible, like you do in high school, I was <laughs> Abigail actually, Williams. Actually. Yes. Boy, this
0: is the Arthur Miller special. This, this Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so Miller that's why references. I was like,
2: of course I wanted to do dinner theater or death of a salesman. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I was backstage and I was thinking about like, oh, gosh, like I've got this, you know, whatever like math homework that I have to do when I get home. And I thought, you know, what would be the best life? if I could just do the acting and not also have to do the math homework. And I feel like this is coming back around to uh, a realization that is like actually a very simple fact. I was like, Oh, there. Oh, can I swear on this? Yeah. You're good. You're good. You're good. good. Um, Like (laughs) I, uh, there are people who do that. There are people who just act and they don't also have like the equivalent of math homework. And honestly, that continues to be my dream. Like all I want in life is to act and write and not have to do anything else. Like that is, that is the goal more than anything else. Like, and I think still like more than a career goal, like more than being a famous person, like being famous is, desirable because it seems like it is the closest thing you get as an actor to job security you know like if people yeah. recognize your name then it's more likely that they want you to be even in their like regional theater production yeah of yeah death of a salesman uh so <laughs> uh so yes uh, that is sort of i think like just the love of like playing just the love of yeah. being another person is sort of I, the abiding thing I love for that. me. Oh, I but the that. other thing I was gonna say is like I don't think <sighs> I don't think I thought I was going to be as successful as I even am now when I was graduating from college. And I mean partly it's like i was just an english degree with a with a theater minor i thought i would need to go to grad school before anybody would hire me and i think like both of my parents Were supportive, but I feel like they both kind of had this attitude: like we're gonna let little Ellen Adair try this for a couple of years, and it is hard, and then probably she'll quit and, like you know, become an English professor or whatever. Um, So I feel like I like some part of me internalized that as well, and not in a bad way. That I think I just had this sense of like I have to really try, I have to really, really try. Or I will regret it for all of my life. And I think that I lucked into the best possible decision that I could have made, which was I stuck around in Boston after I graduated. And there's just like a good, it's like the DC theater scene. Like there's a good actor to job ratio. And I think right off the bat, it wasn't quite as difficult as I think I had prepared myself for. And I mean, also everybody, like anytime you're a young person, i.e. like my entire young life. And I was like, I want to be an actor. The only thing anybody ever says is like, well, you know, it's a hard life. And like, they're right. They are, they are right. But I think I was actually prepared for it to be more difficult than it was, at least to start.
1: Well, and you have to have that I feel like you kind of have to have that delusion almost when you're that young that, that you're, this is, everything's going to be fine. That you're going to, that whatever you, it's a, it's a delusion mixed with that passion that you're talking about. And I love, I absolutely love what you're saying about how like this, 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 this desire, this desire to play, because the thing, the thing that I keep, I keep thinking about, you were talking about how, you know, every human being is, is, is infinity, which is like, I absolutely love that to, to even, I think Zach's Zach's point on the scientific side of that is
2: I loved awesome. It so much.
1: Awesome. And even to take it to the, like the spiritual side, whether, whether you, uh, you know, I come from, I was raised in a, uh, a very religious household, mm. so you know I, you know I, I love my Jesus and all of that stuff, and Jesus and, and the yeah yeah super super cool, but uh, that that tradition is kind of where I come from, so it's the language that I like to use. But whatever you want to call it, the the we all kind of agree that like there's something going on here. There is a there's a something we're existing in something. There is a consciousness here, and the idea of it being infinity is. Is amazing. It's kind of you know in, in the Christian tradition, you know you you have in the uh, the Old Testament of the Bible, Moses walks up to God and it's just like, "What's your name?" and and God says, "I am." And when I, when I was a kid, I always thought that was like God being like cheeky and weird. He's like, hey, I am. Who I am? Don't worry about it." And and then I realized what it meant was, uh, "I am isness, being infinity." It's and then and then I recently learned as a, a writer named Richard Rohr who's a Franciscan priest, he's wonderful, and he said this thing where he said uh, the the term for the name of God Yahweh is also the sound of inhaling and exhaling. It's breathing. It's being itself. And so if you if you then go, come from the the baseline of okay, we are infinity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We are all—all all of us are this—this this isness, this phenomenon of being. There's a um, there's this uh, singer I love who wrote a memoir. His name's Michael Gunger, and in his in his memoir called this, he has this little poem, and, and in it he says, "If you were infinity, what game wouldn't you play?" <sighs> And the that is what I kept thinking of when you were talking about this desire to play because like that's what we want. That's we just we are infinity, and we just we just want to play. We want to want to play. What wouldn't you play? Why wouldn't you try <laughs> every single thing? Try on every single little hat. Why why wouldn't you? I think that's what we want from movies, whether we know it or not. Oh, from movies, completely. TV, from plays and books, we want to to experience and almost kind of live these other lives. And and we we do that and, and even even in like horror movies, where you're seeing something horrible, we almost want to see that shadow and darkness that we that we have or what um, uh, Eckhart Tolle calls like the pain body. We want to see the pain body. We want to see it on screen. And we want to know that it exists.
0: Personally, that's okay.
1: No, I I got you. No, there I know people who hate horror movies, and I totally get that. I totally get that. I. I totally understand. Um, There's some horror movies that people tell me I should watch, and I'm kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to see that. But, um, but to to the larger point of of wanting to play, of wanting to put on every hat and play every game that you can, the uh, man, the explanation of that as why you love to act, just I did, all I wanted to say was I love that. I just that is like <laughs> the best possible answer, and I wanted to agree with you just. So hard and and I will stop now. I just what does that make you think of? I guess. Just toss the ball in your court.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just want to say everything that you said, I just like I just felt spirit everywhere Perfect. like i just felt chills it was wonderful and i mean i think that like yes that is what we came here like we all and then okay, like I, I many people would just think like i'm a crazy person but for me like spiritual life is the most important thing to me and acting oh, yeah. is very spiritual and so that is part of that is not the only way that i experience um my connection to god but like it is part of it. And that is why, why it feels it's so embarrassing.
1: So that's why it's so embarrassing. Acting is like, there's a, a story I heard about Ted Danson where he was like acting on something. And just at one point he was doing something. He looks at another actor. He goes, isn't acting embarrassing? And it is. And that's why it's embarrassing. It's vulnerable. It's, it's, it's spiritual being spiritual and opening yourself up from the inside is embarrassing and, I and scary.
2: I, I, I I don't know that that's my experience. I feel like it is, it is freeing. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, yeah yeah. why shouldn't we want to sort of be let out of ourselves a little bit? Yeah. And so but I do feel like, ultimately, this is my worldview. We all chose to come to be here to play. So acting is sort of like the meta version of that thing. And so we we chose whatever life we have in order to kind of like test our own souls and like the things that we're going to need to learn. And I I I feel like and it's because I'm a crazy person, but I feel like there are even in the sort of between life period, there are people that we're always bound up with and that we even say like, oh my gosh, right, this time you play this and I'm going to play this. And we're like, great, like see you on earth, high five. And like, we don't remember it, but but I think that's what happens. And so I maybe... I feel that way because I'm an actor, and I have this other thing that I feel about acting, but I actually feel like, yes, acting is just an extension of what it already means to be alive. And I do think yeah. that that's oh, why yeah. why we why humans crave stories so much and why like, though they're not you know they're not literally productive in any way, I also think they're the most vital and important things.
1: We're all acting. I mean, I'm I'm playing a role. I'm playing the role that I was...
0: Yeah. I mean, you talk to Judith Butler and gender is a performance, and you talk to critical theorists and whiteness is a performance.
1: Everything
2: everything
0: contextually is a performance.
1: One of my favorite things that... that, um, one of my favorite things that Ramdas ever said. Who's this? Yes, uh,
2: Ramdas. Yes. Oh, you love Ram. Oh yes, God,
1: of Ellen. I you, do. God, you are my favorite person. All right. Oh, you're my favorite um, person. Yeah. One of my favorite things Ramdas ever would would say is he said yeah, almost all the time when we're sitting down with our friends, we are asking each other, "Is my costume on right?" We're just constantly just saying like, "Is my is this role that I'm supposed to be playing? Is it on right? Is it on and and true?" <laughs> friendship is being able to not have to wear that costume at all and but constantly all the time we're just walking around in this costume that we put on and it's natural it's not there's no shame in it there's no it's just kind of the way you are I'm putting on the costume of Ben who is the co-host of a podcast who you know has these ideas and these feelings and these thoughts and all this stuff I'm playing that role uh, Sometimes intentionally, when I'm out in social situations, I'm playing the role of the guy who is like goofy and likes to talk to people and stuff. And sometimes unintentionally, I'm playing the role of just the person I grew up as because of how I grew up. Mm-hmm. And there's just this, this, this innate beingness, I guess. I don't know. But you're, yeah. Anyways, you're absolutely right. I, and the fact that you love Ram Dass is like, God,
2: this is the. Yeah. Best but what i what i you're the best what i love about that is that to me also the mechanism of acting is relationship and so the way that an i experience becoming another person is by defining like well whatever that whatever that person is is like what do i say and what do i do and Like, how do I love or not? And what is my relationship to this other person? And like something different always comes out. Like I'm not sitting there trying to like create an idea of another person And I do feel like relationship is key and the understanding of that comes from the fact that we are naturally different people with all of the people that we interact with because I feel like it's sort of the alchemy of like whatever the other person's soul is, like Zach, whatever your soul is, Ben, whatever your soul is, and whatever mine is, like they're just, they're mirrors and they're going to kind of like just like reflect and refract differently off of each other depending upon what the other thing is. And it's not false. Like, it's not weird to say, like, I'm a different person around my grandma than I am around my high school best friend than I am around oh my, my wife. God, like, yeah. if okay. you were the same person around all of those people, it would be weird.
1: Are you kidding me? Get me around my parents. My language cleans up great. I mean, <laughs> it is immaculate. And what's so weird is I can just flip the switch and it's not even I'm not even trying yeah, absolutely. You, you behave differently around all kinds of different people. It's, yeah.
2: Yeah, so, like, uh, to me, the uh, – and I keep using the word mechanism, but it feels like the little motor of acting is, like, if I'm this character, what is my relationship with the other person? What do I mm. – like, what do I think about them? What is the thing – like, what is the, the skin suit that I'm trying to present to them? Yeah. And so, I mean – I guess that's part of why. So I'm going to do the really annoying thing and quote my own book, but like, I, I can't do it. I can't say it any better. In So in my book of poetry about acting, I have this one line where I say myself is just a character that I play for want of any other. And I guess it's in some ways, the very arbitrariness of, what that character is that makes being anybody else feel like equally plausible, even if it's like, all right, in this movie, I'm a serial killer. Got to figure oh out God. what that is. Um But yeah, like I don't, I don't try to be like, play a serial killer. I'm just like, well, what am I no, doing I, in this scene? I, I, How do I feel it, about it, this person that's in front of me? Yeah.
0: It is. It's I almost kind of a logical puzzle. Yeah. To figure out, you have to kind of make sense of
1: somebody who is not you in a way Right. To the point where you can embody them in, in some way or another. Uh, well, what it, what it sounds like to me is you're saying is like, I'm already playing a role. Like, how hard is it to then pivot <laughs> to yeah. something totally. else? Yeah. Yes. Like, I, yep. my entire life, I've been playing the role of Ellen, Ellen mm-hmm. Dare. So, why don't I, uh, you know, how hard is it for me to now play a lawyer? Okay. It's just, you know, just doing another thing. That's I love that. God, I love yeah, that. All right, um. I, I would like to so I could talk about the philosophy of acting forever, obviously, as we <laughs> could. But I do want to um, be respectful of your time. And I know, you know, uh, I don't want to go on for like four hours. So well, my own
2: podcast I'll, is always like you know two hours and fifteen minutes yeah, long. So same yeah. here.
1: I think our <laughs> longest one. I think with Mikey, we went like three hours. It we went nuts. like oh, three. Gosh. That was the runtime. Was we stayed over three for like four. And hours. we did. That's right. Lot. We yeah, did. There was, it was a crazy. Lot. <laughs> um, but a lot there lot are a few <laughs> things uh, I want to wrap up about acting before we move on to baseball. And these these are relatively quick. They're a little less little less heady because we got we got a little deep there, and that was just the best. And so. I know based on uh, my friend who has done uh, – who was, did a lot of acting, there are a lot of differences and a lot of preferences in the acting world between stage and screen acting. And as someone who has done both, do you have a preference and what is the big difference between the two? For, for you, like not, obviously there's the obvious differences of one is live on stage and one is on screen, but like the, for you as an actor, what are, what are the big differences between doing each?
2: Yeah, that is a most excellent question. And the biggest, the big difference is the frame. So if, and, and maybe that sounds like very, very obvious, but if it's, Uh, on camera, sometimes it's a wide shot, obviously, but like most of the storytelling is going to be like just sort of shoulders up. It's going to be the the canvas is my face, right? So if I just look from one side of the screen to the other, that is actually a sort of a large gesture, like more equivalent to crossing the stage. Because Mm -hmm. Uh, on stage obviously the frame is like the entire stage so i right. i say that partly to because as much as i uh as much as i do love the spiritual element of acting sometimes i feel like pragmatic answers are like the easiest way to just like free yourself up to then be available for whatever it is that happens yeah so uh that's the biggest difference. But like in my experience, the goal is that like the truth is the same size. And now I think I struggle with like really large theater spaces where the, where like the size of the truth has to be larger than I experience it in life. And I think that that is why ultimately I prefer Uh, on camera acting. And I think that's just because Mm. the scale is the same scale as life. So it feels more inhabited that way. Like I just get to be this person. And what I love is I know that my best friend, not you, Ben, the camera, my best friend, the camera is gonna pick up if I have a thought. I know that the camera Mm, will be there. mm. And so, in a way, I don't have to do anything. All I need to be rigorous about is my thoughts. Because, on the flip side, if I have a thought that is not my character's thought, but is my thought, I mean, this happens all the time, you know, where I will have an actor thought, like it will be visible. So, like being on camera means that you need to be very, very rigorous with what your thoughts are. Because if, if you end up having a thought about like, oh, wait, is that like, you know, who is up? that person crossing yeah. the frame or whatever, like that, that thought is going to end up showing up in the performance. Um, sure. So I guess, yeah, because it's a little bit more lived in. And also because I think, well, there are a few things. I did a production of Importance of Being Earnest, which is a show that I oh, always wanted to do. Great show. Great and show. And I loved it so much. But I did this after not, like, having really been more in on-camera world for a while. And there was one performance where, the like, the audience, I just felt like the audience wasn't picking up what I was throwing down. And I realized, oh, I don't necessarily like it when there's Somebody else in the moment that I am doing my job, telling me how well I'm doing my job. Uh, like, yeah. I feel yeah. like I'm in it, mm. and like I believe what's going on, but it feels like it's not working. And so then suddenly there's this external auditor, that
1: immediate, the immediate feedback.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I think it could be because, like, I think some people like acting because they like being seen, and I like acting because I like believing that I am this other person. And so I I think that like the in that sense, the privacy at the moment that I am doing the job of on camera, I think I like better. What I also like about it is that like in on stage, Basically, you go through a rehearsal process where you are getting to the thing that we agreed upon that we are going to do every single time. And now you are going to do that. Mm -hmm. And like the director leaves. And now you're going to do that from now until the end of time. Yeah. And that that it can be frustrating for me. And uh, I mean, I think it can probably be frustrating for any actor. And there are great things about being on stage as well, obviously. Like, what's nice is you get to, like, experience the entire arc of the thing as it happens. Whereas TV and film, you're experiencing everything out of sequence. And, um, But I like about on-camera acting that actually my goal with every take is to do something different than the thing that I did last time. Because they already got that one. Unless, like, we're just doing it again for focus or something. So. Right it's it's actually just sort of freeing to be like, well, I don't know what's going to happen this time, but like, hopefully it'll be different. I'll just think about something different and hopefully it will come out differently. And then I actually like not being, usually I like it, <laughs> not being the arbiter of the thing that, uh, the whatever the take that is that's finally chosen. Like it's somebody else's job. I don't have to worry about, this is the take that they're choosing. I just have to like exist and be a person in this world. Um, so yeah, for all of those reasons.
1: Yeah, that's.
2: You said it was going to be a short answer. No, right? no, no,
1: no, 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 no. That's <laughs> that's great. You know what? We don't need a short answer. Um, We don't need a short anything. On, no, that's on this great. Show. This is so, no, that's fantastic. You're my favorite.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so so you, you mentioned you did reference your your book of poetry earlier, and. um, I, so I lied slightly earlier. The one I do know that you wrote a book of poetry, and I now also know that you were an English major. Uh, so tell hmm. me a little bit about um, what it is you love about poetry, your relationship with it, what inspired you to write a book of it, um, and so on and so forth.
2: Oh, what an excellent question! And I, to be honest, I don't write poetry anymore. So I'm a little, I feel a little distant to it. I mean, the novel that I'm working on, there is some poetry in it, because like, of course, but I think, I don't know, I think it comes down to I just love language. I just Mm. love it so much. And so I really love the artful and unexpected and sonorous use of language. And so And I I mean, I think also what's so satisfying about a poem is like it's a little universe and you can just slip in there. And discover like what are all the physical properties of just this universe, and so I think they're very satisfying. Like as an English major, I I wrote my thesis on Keats and Shelley, and I so like as an English major, I was drawn to poetry. Um, over though, I you know I love novels and I love plays, obviously because I just felt like they were the most fun to unpack, and I feel like all you really really need to write poetry, honestly, is just to love language, is just to to sort of have thoughts come to you in language that seems potentially interesting enough to start writing it down, and then to sort of continue unraveling the thought until the poem is over. So uh, I I do like I do write now. Unfortunately, fairly slowly because I I so much of my sort of rigorous writing practice for years was poetry based, which is you know it's really just like building a house brick by brick and deciding if each brick is the brick that you want, and you know most of the time like uh, discarding a brick. Um, and it is hard to write a novel in the same way, but it's I don't know the way I do it, yeah. I guess. <laughs>
1: No, that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I do want. I do want to ask each problem, um, there, each. Would normal would regular non actors non screen actors be surprised by how much dialogue is recorded in ADR? In your experience, from what mm-hmm. I have been from what I have heard, there is more ADR than you might think in movies and TV shows.
2: Yes. Yes and it's for all kinds of reasons like I yeah. just did ADR on an on a show and I was even like why am I why am I recording ADR on this line and I I was told that it's cuz like I I stepped and we were filming in an old house and there was like a, a floorboard <laughs> Creek that they were like, we want to isolate your voice from the floorboard Creek. And I'm just like, Oh gosh, can we just have the floorboard Creek and like See, whatever I did on the day, it's going to be a better performance than what I'm going to do right now in the <laughs> studio. I promise you.
1: That's that's uh, yeah. I've, I've always, that's what I've heard. And I was, I was curious if that was true. Zach, do we have you back for real? For realsies? I think so. You're Zach frozen. You're frozen. <laughs> Your video's frozen and now you're breaking up again.
2: Is it helpful to come back without maybe not the camera? So that you're not having to transmit as much information?
1: Yeah, try that, Zach. Um, if you can camera now. Oh, off camera. Sounds I mean, like okay. Yeah. Still breaking up a bit.
2: Yeah, it's still a little auto tuned. And we do miss seeing your face and the web paneling.
1: Too. That too. <laughs>
0: That Wait. makes the first two people in the world. Right.
2: Who- yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> no, um,
1: the face and wood
0: paneling should, oh, together. This, can no, you me
1: now? Yes, I can hear you now. Um, okay, okay we'll, we'll 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 power through. And as a backup, and I figure we'll we'll cut some of that. We'll see, or maybe like I said, um, maybe we won't. Who knows? Who cares? I'm an um, absolute genius with audacity, so like, we're all good <laughs> um, with <the> editing. <laughs> Great. So yeah, as a as a backup, I would say I don't know if you'd be able to use your phone as a backup. If not. Whatever, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll play along. It's all good. Um, anyways, the last thing that I do want to ask about acting a little bit. Um, before we move to, I do. I also want to talk about uh, your baseball drawings because I looked at them. They're pretty, they're oh, pretty thanks. cool, man. They're <laughs> really cool. Um, but I, I just want to know: Do you have any fun stories from on set? You've done a lot of TV shows. Uh, you've done a lot of TV shows, actually, with some, you know, relative, you know, fairly famous actors. You know, you were on Homeland for a while, which I should tell you, I'm going to tell you right now. I knew who you were before I knew who you were. If that makes any sense. In Great. that, I found. So I was going through your IMDb credits, and I was like, "You're on Homeland." I was like, "I love Homeland." I watched like I was a Homeland like every episode crazy about it because I was crazy about 24 and then those people did Homeland. And then I looked up who you were and I was like, Oh my God, I know exactly who that is. <laughs> I know exactly who that character is. Uh, chief of staff to a corrupt politician. Yeah. But um, anyway, so you've been, you you know, you've done a lot of work and I'm curious, do you have any fun? And, and it doesn't necessarily have to involve like some famous actor or whatever, but any fun on set stories, anything weird or interesting that happened?
2: I mean, there's always like almost always weird or interesting things that happen on set. It's like
1: um, it's like going away to summer camp from what I've heard from people who have done screen like, work. It's like you 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 meet all these people and you're like eight months, you're filming this thing, you're like we're all best friends, and then you leave and you you never talk to each other again.
2: <laughs> it's that way, even if you're like filming together for two weeks like you are it it is and lots of times i have thought about the existence of space and time as it relates to filming something for like even even a week a week plus like going for two days on something it is not quite do the same thing or like doing a regional theater job that like two days in you're like this is the only thing that has ever existed (laughs) we have always been here we have always been these people this has always been my life like this is always my breakfast and like i you you know, I'm always eating lunch in my trailer, and that is all that there is. Right,
1: and you meet you meet some people, and you're just like, "We're best friends." You We're really best hit friends, it off and then you never talk again.
2: Unfortunately, yeah, that is like nor- that is normally the case. Yes,
1: is um, any fun, weird, interesting? So, onset because stories? you
2: mentioned Homeland, I don't think that this is weird, but uh, Dylan Baker is the nicest person that I have maybe ever known in my life. And, and I love to say this in part because he always is playing villains and it's just, I think like that's the story that his face tells. Um, Yeah. I can definitely
1: kind of see that in his face to be
2: perfect. But like he himself is like, Oh gosh, the nicest person in the world. And I had so much fun working with him because he had been, like one of my favorite actors for years and years. And in fact, I'm going to try to make this story short, but like in... 2011 or something. I accosted him in the Times Square train station just being like, "Oh my god, Dylan Baker, you're one of my favorite actors of all time." And then like actually got to work with him later, which was amazing. Well, and
1: and got to work like next to him. Like you played his chief of staff. Like that's yes. that's so cool.
2: Like everything I got to do on that season was with Dylan Baker and actually yeah. like so the maybe second day that we work together, he said to me, he's like, you know, you look kind of familiar. And I was like, oh, God, I didn't want to bring this up. But, like, I fangirled you in the Times Square train station in 2011. And I was like, huh, huh, okay. And, I mean, he was so nice. He was That's the so nicest good. when I had met him. And then, like, later that episode, maybe it was even the next episode. No, no, no. I think it was later that episode. He was like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like this episode of billions. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm in billions. And he was like, Oh, that's where I know you. Like I saw you in billions. And ah, it that's cool. That's never so funny. occurred to me that Dylan Baker could know me because he also had seen me in a thing. Yeah. Anyway, we had a great time. Like we watched the super bowl together uh, when we were down there in Virginia and he is just wonderful so this is one of the last episodes that we are shooting and so we have you know we've been hanging out for a while and um I do this very annoying thing where I just make up songs to the tune of other songs but I like create like I just replace words with love it I don't know from things that people say um so, so what I yeah, yeah, I guess, but like, I'm I'm taking songs that already exist, so I'm not like really creating something. So right, like meter
0: I, already exists in a poem. That's true. Using, you know,
2: everything exactly. is
1: melodic to an extent. Oh,
2: I appreciate you. So Sorry,
1: we're, here to, so, we're here to we're here to we're here to legitimize you.
2: Thanks. I mean, <laughs> make we'll, you feel better. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally a single threat. So like, wait till you see how you feel till after I have had to do a little <laughs> bit of singing in the telling of the story. So like, I get into this car, and I just turn to dylan with like no other preamble and i'm like stop hey what's that sound senator paley's going down oh my and god like, <laughs> like just obnoxiously like and and also like dylan is used to me doing this all the time um and uh, other songs but this is the one that i remember from that day so uh I had to basically like this is a very serious scene like cross like go out talk to the Russian ambassador come back to the car and as we were shooting one angle the director says to me like Ellen can you just banana this way when you're coming back so like we can see you through the uh, through the window of the car and this is a like film term that is used to be like, rather than having the like, like shortest distance between two points, you sort of curve out so that people, Uh, so that you can kind of like pop into view behind somebody else or something like that. Like don't walk in the way that you would if you were a person. So I, I was just like, it's so funny to me. Like I have heard this term used many times and it's still really funny. And then I just through muscle memory, the first shot that we do coming the other direction, like from behind my back, me going towards the car. I like accidentally still banana, and uh, I get into the car. And then the director is like, "Oh no, no, you can you can walk straight this time." And I was like, "Oh right, of course." Like I'm an idiot. Uh, and Dylan turns to me and sings very earnestly, "A time to banana, a time to go straight," and I. <laughs> Oh my god. Lost it. Like I completely I could not walk back that's to the amazing. car without like laughing so hard. And I was oh glad that it was the shot that was on my back, but still I was like, I can't laugh so hard that my shoulders are shaking. Like it's not Dad. gonna make any sense for Janet Bain to be crying in this scene. So yeah, that's um that's I don't know. It's not. It's not, it's not. weird. No, but.
1: I love that. I love that. That is so. That's so funny. <laughs> did you ever meet Mandy Patinkin? By the way, he seems like a weird dude. Uh,
2: I by reports, that is what I've also heard. But I did not ever meet Mandy Patinkin. I didn't meet uh, Mandy Patinkin, and I did not meet F. Murray Abraham. Oh um, my God! Two. I forgot.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Like yes. two incredible
2: incredible actress you were
1: never you were never in any scenes with them that i I know you, obviously you were in scenes with uh claire uh, yes. danes but yeah
2: of extremely nice human being yes
1: oh really oh that's yes good. you yeah, know what really it always them. makes me happy to hear that like famous people are kind like nice human beings for whatever reason like i love I got to experience that a little bit when I worked at a TV station. I it was never I never got like A-list celebrities, but you know, I got some celebrities would come in when I worked at a local news station in Baltimore and it just always made me so happy when they were like nice, like genuine people. Mm-hmm. Like just mm-hmm. I still to this day I will sing Tom Arnold's praises from the rooftops cuz he was the nicest oh, human being on the planet. I believe he it. He truly was. He he took pictures with people and he did, he did this thing. So, you know, when when we would have celebrities come in, they would take pictures with people. But it always felt like kind of an inconvenience. Or like, all right, fine, I'll do it. Hey, Ray They're, Lewis, stand with me for a second. That, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Yeah, I had a security guy, uh, 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 basically like accost Ray Lewis into taking a picture with me. It was scary. Um, I won't go into the whole story. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you later. I won't go into yeah, the whole story do, now. Yeah, please do. Please do. But, um, uh, but anyways, choice. so we had. Uh, So Tom Arnold was one of the only people, one of two people, that came in and felt and was just like, "Yeah, totally cool, taking pictures." He 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 even after he was done taking photos with people, he looked around the lobby and said, "Anybody else? Anyone else? No? Good. Okay. Cool. Thanks, guys. You know, see you later. Awesome. Like asked if people wanted photos. Everyone else was just like, "Okay, yeah, I gotta go." He was great. But anyways, have
2: you met nice or not nice famous people? Any
0: other kind celebrities? (laughs) <laughs> oh man, I got into an elevator yeah. with Jim Tomy
1: once. Uh, he was oh, he was Oracle's nice. legend. Oh, to Jim Tomy.
2: Um, oh no, we're losing Zach again.
1: We're, Zach, we're losing you again.
2: We're losing your Jim Tomy story.
1: Up, oh, yeah, we can hear you. Who else? Okay.
0: Okay, uh, I ran into. Um, Barack Obama at the White Sox
1: victory parade in 2005. What? Oh my God! Way um, to bury the lead. Yeah. Why'd you start with Jim Tomey? Jesus.
2: Well, I guess you know, like like Tomey
1: better now. Just no, just no.
2: no right. you, you, like it would be, it would be a letdown. You know, if you yeah. if you were well, like I met wait, what, Barack you, Obama and he, also Jim Tomey, we would be like, well, you know. I got to was him he was senator
1: at the time? Was
0: he, he senator was, Obama he was, at the time? He was. He'd only been senator for about like 8 months at that point but he had already given his big speech at the 2004 Democratic Convention that put him on on the radar and all that no um those are my off the top of my head my main celebrity stories. I don't know if you could count the like the may I run into the mayor of Chicago a few times. Um
1: oh yeah. I mean I, I ran like, into the mayor of Baltimore so many times and the people running for the mayor of Baltimore, but who cares about that? Like they were all awful corrupt politicians. And that's
0: I mean that's where look my the, the times I ran into Rahm Emanuel, it wasn't very pleasant. That's all. That's all. I, can I say. have heard I, I he is not a
1: pleasant man.
0: <laughs> He's yeah. genuinely one of the worst people out there. But uh, I think we are we are at one hour and eighteen minutes in now. I think we have yeah, set we the should record probably talking about longest. baseball. man. I think yes, this is the longest we've gone before going into the going into the baseball introduction. So I think Perfect. baseball nice. drawings count. I do. I do want to hear about those.
2: Yes. We go
1: I want to hear about the, the baseball things. drawings. Yeah. So
2: yeah. So I. Uh, for me, like I really, I've always loved drawing, and it's really just an exercise in seeing something completely like really seeing everything about it. And obviously for me, the most beautiful thing to see is baseball. And so I love to draw baseball players. And so I decided that uh, this year, I decided that I would create a little website where people can commission me to draw a picture of their favorite baseball player or like also anything else that they want. Like I have uh, currently some commissions for non-baseball things. And I'm very happy to draw those things as well. Um, So yeah, it's fun actually to just get like a surprise. Oh gosh, the baseball drawing that I just finished, I was like, thank you for ordering this. It was somebody wanted to draw Cliff Lee, who is like one of my favorite baseball players of all time in like a victory, uh, victorious in the, um, ALCS versus the Yankees. And so I also got to draw like a dejected Brett Gardner in the background. And it was like (laughs) so sad as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Yes, if any of your listeners uh, are desirous of having a picture of their favorite baseball player, like or their father's favorite baseball player, as a gift for their father or whatever, like just uh, shoot me an email at Ellen at gmail dot com.
1: I was literally I also- just thinking about how like I might do that.
2: Oh, I would love that.
1: My my parents are diehard Orioles fans and my dad's favorite player is Brooks Robinson. So when if whenever when I need a Christmas gift, I think uh having a drawing of Brooks Robinson would be fantastic. Just make sure your dad like, mutes the pod right around.
2: Does, does your dad <laughs> right. listen to the podcast?
1: <laughs> no, of course not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Like my,
2: my, yeah, my mom for a while listened to all the podcasts that I was on. And at this point, she's like no. definitely given up. I have, um, I my have dad, sent my dad computer,
1: so. I've sent my dad articles I've written and he was like, neat. Like just whatever. It's fine. You know what? I, I love my parents for who they are and forgive them for who they're not. And it's fine. It's yeah, fine. I think it's I all good, man.
2: I did want you to know I wore this shirt for you, though. Oh.
1: <gasps> Oh, my God, you have an Orioles shirt. Oh, my God. That is the best. Why would you own a shirt of such a horrible team?
2: (laughs) Because we love to go to Yankee Stadium and root for whoever the Yankees are playing. Um, So frequently that's the Orioles. And so I like to go and you know try to provide the ocular proof of my rooting for the team that the Yankees are playing.
1: Love it. Well, since we are talking about baseball, we do want to get to the uh, – Zach, unless you had – something else no no i was gonna ask the main question oh all perfect you. that's that's where i was getting mm-hmm. to the core question of this podcast God, the goodness. reason why oh we boy have this podcast um why is it that you love baseball what is it about the sport of mm. baseball there are a lot of sports out there you could love uh but for whatever reason you don't baseball you don't draw basketball, right? Exactly. I mean, you could, right, maybe, I, I guess. You could. You could. <laughs> what is it about the sport of baseball specifically that you love?
2: There are so many answers to this question, and give so give
1: me all of them. No, give <laughs> me your yeah. Yeah, give, I'll, me I'll, no. uh, <laughs> give me two. No, I'll give you as many as you want.
2: At least, at least a couple. Um, so the first one, and perhaps because we we're just talking about baseball drawings, uh, baseball is beautiful. Baseball is beautiful to behold. And I, you know, I mean this about like a photograph of a baseball player in action, but I also mean this about watching it on TV or watching it at the ballpark. Like I am plagiarizing myself here. I have said this before, but like baseball is the beauty of Renaissance painting combined with the uh, Apollonian perfection of Newtonian physics. Like it is just perfect, beautiful. Like it just, it, like baseball, the beauty of baseball lays its hands on my little soul and says, it's gonna be okay.
1: Oh, yeah. I've said on this podcast a few times, <laughs> I've said there is no greater, uh, form of living art, in my opinion, than uh, a, a perfect curveball. Just watching, mm-hmm. just you know, watching K- Clayton Kershaw drop a curveball right on the outside oh, corner, strike three. Yes. Or Jose Barrios flip his little slurvy thing in right there. Or just any number a, a Kevin Gosman split change that drops in right at the right way. It's just it's art to me.
0: And yes. Une- Even on a broader aesthetic level, though, there's something attractive about baseball that you don't get anywhere else from the uniqueness of each stadium to like the blue sky of a summer day to every scoreboard on a jumbotron in a basketball arena looks alike or a hockey arena and most of them in these Mm -hmm. football stadiums too. And you can go to 30 different ballparks and get 30 different experiences and have 30 different kinds of weather and see 30 different things. And you know what? When you zoom out, at least, you know, unless you're in one, I mean, some – Teams are all moving out to the suburbs now with, you know, municipalities that are paying for their stadiums and stuff like that. But I think of like you zoom out at at guaranteed rate field um, on the south side of Chicago and you're like, you know, a mile west of the lake. You've got downtown Chicago right there and you can see all of that like with the baseball field. In the forefront of the picture, and there is just something about still images and watching it on TV and even listening on the radio. There is an aesthetic beauty mm-hmm. to it that I don't think exists in other athletic endeavors. Um, so yeah, tell yeah. us tell us some more reasons though. Yeah,
2: I feel I feel the same way. Just like even the green of the grass, like as a mm-hmm. person who has lived. Often in cities, like the majority of my life in cities, seeing real grass. Obviously, when I was a little kid, I was going to Veterans Stadium, and so it wasn't real grass, but I was still like, that's a lot of green. Like, I don't have a yard, I don't know what it looks like. So it looks pretty good. Um, Yes, it's beautiful. So another reason that I love baseball um, is the clarity of the drama in baseball. Hmm. And I think. I think that probably had something to do with why I loved it so much as a little kid immediately. I also really liked basketball when I was a kid and I still do like basketball, but I just, I don't, I don't follow it to the degree that I follow baseball. Um, And I think that, like, you can tell who everybody is. Even as a child, you look at the field and you know the part that everybody is playing. It's very obvious. And you get this moment when the batter comes to the plate to, like, look at the Jumbotron, whatever it looks like. And hopefully it's a stadium that has good information. And you get to think, like, huh, like they're not having as good of a season as they usually do. Or, like, whoa, like I wouldn't have guessed that they have like an 850 OPS or whatever it is. Like, you get to have that moment where you are just thinking about their offensive contributions. Everybody gets their like moment in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And so even other sports that I enjoy, like I enjoy hockey also, like it's just, it's kind of just like a tangle of guys, you know, and like you have to know a lot about the sport to be able to pick out like what the different positions are and sort of what is the role that they are playing in that moment. And the just like the clear face-off Of the confrontation between the pitcher and the batter, like the conversation, the dialogue between the pitcher and the batter that is told in like pitch type and, you know, swinging or not (laughs) is it's just it's it's so ah, it's so invigorating. And so like just I don't know, the drama is so clear. So like to me, it reminds me more of theater than anything that isn't theater and i think that that's a big part of why i love it and i also like the struggle of being a baseball player like whether or not i deserve to feel that way like feels to me more analogous to being an actor than anything else that's outside like technically outside the realm of art although i do feel like baseball is art um you know, with just, like, sometimes you're really hot, and sometimes it's really hard, and it's, like, some not clear. Like, am I thinking too much? Am I not thinking enough? Should I, you know, like, should I be tinkering with my pitches? Or is, just, is it just, like, my head's getting into the way of my... Like, all of those sort of, like, mental games are so uh, comparable for me. Like, I feel them, and I really uh, just experience the misery of like, you know, uh, a pitcher who has a five run inning or a batter who can't get out of a slump. Like I just, rather than being like, gosh, they need to figure out. I'm just like, I feel you. Like, I just, <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. those are, those are, those are the main reasons that I want well, you get
1: that, that the slow pace of baseball gives you the opportunity for that suspense and that drama mm-hmm. in a way that, other sports don't – I mean, obviously, every sport has its suspense and drama. But the thing with baseball is it just draws out that suspense so much. And and you get – I mean, one of my favorite things is you get so many heroes sometimes from the little guy who is not having a great season, who's not a star. But because of the way baseball works, the number nine hitter came up in the bottom of the ninth and it just worked out that way, and he hit a home run, and he hit his third home run of the season, and it won the game. And those moments are just mm-hmm. so beautiful. And those are moments you don't – I don't think you necessarily get in football or basketball because in those tight moments, you're giving the ball to your star if you're in basketball. Who's taking the last shot for the Lakers? It's LeBron. Who's taking the last shot for the Bucks? It's Giannis. Yes football oh, God, it's the quarterback Giannis, i love him that. so much i don't I, know what to do with myself i, I love him too he's such a, a strange human being but <sighs> he's um amazing. he's incredible but you, you don't get that with you don't you don't get um you don't get brett phillips i always reference brett phillips because <laughs> i love that man dearly but you don't get <laughs> brett phillips world series moment from uh last year you don't get that in other sports often Whereas you the closest equivalent might be like
0: college basketball, you know, in the yes. tournament or something yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 know? yes, um, for sure. Yeah, no, but that's touch almost some- like
2: tournament wide. Like the yeah. canvas is the tournament versus mm. the canvas being the game. Mm-hmm. Necessarily, I don't know. No, I said no, no, that, no, no, no. like I, I, I often say things, and then immediately feel like I could argue <laughs> no, 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 the opposite no, I, point I, because I was an English major. Yeah. So
1: the, the the drama in the Dialectics. NCAA tournament, the the drama in the NCAA tournament exists because you are in an NC in the NCAA tournament, uh, not necessarily because of the way basketball is structured. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. um, but no, I love that. Yeah. Those are yeah. I, I have been saying. For years, and I've said it many times on this podcast, the way that I believe baseball is art in in one of its most beautiful forms. I think there's art in a lot of sports, but yeah.
0: But it's, man, the sh- yeah, the showdown between pitcher and hitter is something that is generally replicated. It. It's like if everything about soccer was a penalty shootout or hockey, you know, or mm-hmm. if it was mm-hmm. if basketball yep. was all one-on-ones. And I think your point about kind of almost knowing everyone uh, and what they're doing is is pertinent, too, because I think I made I made this point on the podcast, too, is that the thing about baseball is that as opposed, like, I could watch, I like soccer, I don't really know much about it, and I could be watching a soccer game, and, like, the left back could be having the worst game of their life. And I would have no idea, realistically, unless they get blown away for a goal or something like that. You know, um, same thing with hockey. And who, like, you know, I guess you notice if your quarterback is getting sacked a lot. But there's 11 guys on each side of the field, and they're all doing a bunch of different things. But in baseball, if you're a pitcher and you give up eight runs, you fucking blew it, and everybody knows it, and it's yes. Everybody yep. knows it. Yep. Uh, well, and, and
1: if you're and if you're a hitter and you agony, strike you defeat, out, you know, four times.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. There's a it. singularity. There's a singularity in that that moment of interaction between the pitcher and the hitter that is just inimitable.
2: Our ability to know them, not as... Because obviously there's so much... uh, So many baseball fans' tears are shed about uh, MLB's inability to market (laughs) their stars. So yeah. uh, I, I don't mean like they're their actual personalities, although that's the case, but, like, the kind of baseball player that they are. So you can go to a game, and like you were saying, Ben, you can be surprised because mm-hmm. the, you know, utility infielder who is actually just spelling somebody who is injured ends up being the hero of the game, and Andrew the marquee <laughs> star, like, ends up being, you know, going over for 4. Like, that happens all the time. But the fact that, like, we're able to... When their stats come up, be like, okay, here comes the marquee star. Even if you don't know that much about it, like if you're paying attention during the course of the game, you can figure out like who's been hot and who isn't. And you see somebody come up and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, like it's September and they only have 25 plate appearances. Like, whoa. All right. Like, right. It it means something mm-hmm. like you can immediately kind of figure out yeah. who, who the There's, characters are in the like Commedia dell'arte play there, of this yeah. baseball game.
0: There are hierarchies, you know, the three and four hitters are going to be good. You know, the center fielder is probably going to be better in the field than the left fielder and so on and so forth. That's a really yeah. interesting point. Yeah, um. for
1: sure. Uh, no, those are fantastic answers. Uh, mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I do want to ask, Two more baseball questions before we move on to more random stuff. Uh, First baseball question I want to ask. You are a Phillies fan, as we have established, being from the Philadelphia area or from the city itself. itself. Yes. Um, Who's your favorite Phillies player? I have a guess, but I'm curious who it is.
2: Of all time?
1: Yes. (sighs) Is it Chase Utley? No. Oh, interesting. So... I but I know a lot it, of Phillies fans, but uh, and they most of them say Chase Utley. So I'm curious.
2: I mean, I think. Oh gosh, I think I'd I'd pick Jimmy Rollins before I'd pick Chase Utley. Mm. Um, Ooh, interesting choice. Yeah. I like it. But I like I to me I I feel like it's like time periods of my life, right? So like Von Hayes was the first man that I ever loved and I don't know why, because I was legitimately (laughs) a toddler and I was like, that's my guy. Um and uh and I also love Darren Dalton and Mm. Then, then, like the next Philly that I loved, and this partially partly had to do with like where I was living, i.e., not Philadelphia in the intervening time, um, is is probably Jimmy Rollins. And but then, like, I seriously, I would put Cliff Lee on the list of like all time favorite Phillies. I just yeah. freaking love Cliff Lee, and obviously he's had a very difficult season. But uh, I love Aaron Nola until the day that I die.
1: Nola great. Yeah, and those you, are those are all yeah. great choices. I, um, I went to college in Southern PA uh, briefly, and I I roomed with uh, a whole bunch of Phillies fans, and because it was my yeah, I know they were the worst. Um, but uh, because it was my freshman year of college, you know, I was. 19, 18, roughly around there. And this was 2009, 2010. So all of those guys were all just Chase Utley or Die. Yeah. Uh, And then eventually Roy Halliday or Die. (laughs) They just love I but did, Chase Rollins, Rollins does god.
0: not get that love. He really should though. Yeah. I mean, he was such a joy to watch at his peak. Oh my I, god,
2: if, his defense. Oh my god, his defense.
0: If, and he was man, that I think just seen that MVP season of his, one of my favorite trivia like stacky trivia things of all time is Jimmy Rollins is the only player in major league history, only player ever to have 40 steals, 30 homers and 20 triples in the same season.
1: <laughs> which is insane.
2: I love it. That's I like, love baseball who <laughs> like, yeah. who does that? Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Rollins uh, does he that. He great. Yeah.
1: Man. White Sox he was legend, Jimmy
0: Rollins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> love it. Uh, all right. Last question though. I want to ask uh, baseball related. Um, how many ballparks have you been to? And uh, while you're thinking about that, um, when you go to the ballpark, uh in philly or elsewhere do you have like i'm always getting this kind of food i'm always doing this uh what what is your do you have a ballpark routine you have a favorite uh f- you know food to get in philly whatever it might be at the ballpark but first how many ballparks have you been to and what's your favorite i also want to know your favorite
2: okay i'm gonna count okay um sorry we this do. Makes allow that on this makes for great podcasting. That's fine. So we allow all right. counting. I'm looking at the list of, of teams, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are we counting only current stadiums or also past ones? Oh, I no, think. no, no. We I can count past ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13
1: 14 15 16 I'm 17, impressed
2: 17 18 Oh
1: my god. This is the record. 19 19 sure. Yes. Wow. Jeez. That's a lot. All well, right,
2: actually it's 20 because I've been I forgot to double count the reds. I've been to their old, like their old stadium oh, and also it, um the three? New Oh Rivers. no
0: way. No, that's Pittsburgh. What was their old one? Oh, Riverfront?
1: before Great American. I I was
2: devastated to learn that Great American was a brand. Like I was like for the longest (laughs) time, I was like good for Cincinnati for like not having a brand. Like the Great American Ballpark, that should be the name of ballparks. That's like a reasonable name. Um, What are my favorites?
1: Your favorite Um, ballpark? I assume it's Citizens Bank, but it's okay if it's not.
2: It's it's not like I don't know. Like I just am. I am able to be a little bit more. Uh, All right, fine. It's okay thing. if
1: it's Camden Yards. Camden That's is fine. probably,
2: like, Camden is a better ballpark than Citizens Bank Park, no question. I'll take uh, that. Um, yeah, I love Camden. I have a great fondness for the old ones. Um, and so, obviously, I love Wrigley Field and Fenway. Um, PNC is maybe yeah. my favorite of the new stadiums. Um, but I've heard it's I,
1: gorgeous. I've never yeah. been, but I've heard it's gorgeous.
2: Yeah, it's really uh, just like the view is great, but also the ballpark is great. It's really constructed in a way that it sort of like takes on the kind of steel city spirit of Pittsburgh. Yeah, It's wonderful. I also I like the Mariners Park. Um, uh, Dodger Stadium is also like sort of the sweep of the hillside is is beautiful. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now it's man, PNC deserves a better team. It's such a good ballpark. Yeah, I was going to say any food staples that you go
0: straight for whenever you're in a park. Oh,
2: so uh, no is the answer to that question. The food staple that I go for is I bring my own snack. And Mm. that is because uh, I go to a lot of baseball games and so it is a way to save money to not buy food while I am there. Like given that I'm already spending the money on the ticket, although lots of times money equals like ten dollars, my husband and I just like. Decided at the last minute to go to the see the uh, uh, Cardinals cream the Mets last night, and uh, it, our tickets were ten dollars. So, like you know, we went to the ballpark for ten dollars. I didn't spend any more money. Like it's cheaper than going to see a movie in New York City.
1: Oh um, yeah, I, it's that's yeah. The same thing with Camden Yards right now. To go see an Orioles game, I'm going this Thursday. So two days after we record, after we're recording this, I'm not only seeing an Orioles game for twenty bucks, I'm also seeing a concert afterwards.
2: Awesome. Yep. But I remember. Nobody
1: wants to see the Orioles. It's the Eric Avett and brothers I... too. Like that's a relatively. I love game. the Avid brothers. They are my favorite band. Ellen. God,
2: really? Man,
1: you are the best person. You're Jesus. the
2: best person. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah.
1: The Avett brothers. I'm seeing the Avett brothers and an Orioles game. They're going to lose to the Yankees, which kind of sucks, oh. but I'm seeing the Orioles and the Avett brothers for 20 bucks. It's just so amazing. cheap. Got a yards. It's the yeah, Eric and one I of the saw... nice things about a sucky team. <laughs>
2: Uh, we saw Sticks after a Mets game. I I can't. I want to say it was like 2016, maybe. Um, and our tickets were like eight dollars because it was ungodly hot out, so like nobody wanted to mm-hmm. even be outside. Um, but we had a great time <laughs> seeing <laughs> Sticks. Like I never otherwise would have elected to see Sticks. Oh, I would far rather go see the Aver Brothers. But yeah, I've seen but, Sticks. They're great. It's
0: it's really funny because for most of my all of my adult life until now and like for as long as I've been old enough to go to a baseball game myself that is what the White Sox games were like I am from grew up on the south side of Chicago. I've been a Sox fan my entire life and mm. like part of the reason I got so deep into this is because for like all of my formative teenage baseball watching years like I live a 10 minute drive from the ballpark, it would cost, like, you know, get a $7 upper deck ticket. They're not checking anything downstairs because they're fucking 8,000 people in the ballpark. You go sit wherever. And this year, it's actually been really hilarious to see how, like, logistically unprepared the White Sox have been to be a good team with, like, packed crowds every night. Like, the highway exits are like, it's a parking lot for, like, four exits down and the highways apart is like at a standstill because they can't figure out their flow of traffic and stuff like that. So yeah, no, those are the kinds of things that like make baseball fans though. Those kinds of cheap experiences. Oh uh,
2: Oh, my God. I love it. I love it so much. Yes, absolutely. God willing, Uh, the Phillies someday will be surprised at what it is like to be a good team. (laughs) Someday, perhaps.
1: And the Orioles Uh, too, stupid money. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. I would like exceedingly
2: to exceedingly
1: stupid. We're gonna pivot now to the more random section, as if this hasn't been yeah, random already.
0: This has been really straightforward. The
1: whole yeah, it's time. been real. We've been yeah. really on topic here so far. But first thing we want to ask: this is the order of operations trifecta. We are going to ask you.
2: Oh, this sounds challenging.
1: It is not. I promise you it (laughs) is not. We're going to ask you three things, and we want to know the order in which you do those three things. First one, I would like to ask you, when you get dressed, socks or pants first?
2: Pants. Do people put socks on first?
1: Thank you for saying that because yeah, I know people are crazy for putting on. 1st they but they've been they on this do podcast. Do they have. <laughs> Though I will say their defense. Um, I so I mentioned that I was with some friends earlier uh, tonight. Friends. I asked these uh, questions. I, I I mentioned, hey, I gotta leave. You know, I have a podcast I'm doing, and we, we got to talking about the podcast. And I mentioned that they were like, "What are some of the questions you asked?" And so I did this, the whole order of operations trifecta. And I mentioned the pants socks one, and one person uh, was like, "It depends on what I'm wearing," which is a frequent answer that we have gotten. It depends. Uh, she cool. she mentioned, which is the answer we've gotten. If I'm wearing skinny jeans, I'm putting socks on first. Mm. Because it's hard to put socks on fitting clothes, right?
2: Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not that hard. <laughs> i don't know maybe my and jeans i'm, with you. I'm, I mean, I'm kids, with you i mean the kids are saying that skinny jeans are out anyway so i mean maybe Yeah, screw
0: right? them no can the kids uh, call me before they make these
1: decisions in the future yeah zach is one of the kids he is <laughs> i'm
2: ma- i'm sort of mad about it because you know what skinny jeans are comfortable like they're basically leggings made into jeans and they look good on everybody and now instead it's just this whole like they didn't used nope. to be No, no, like your jeans have got to be like this particular kind of baggie that like only looks good on people whose legs are sticks. And I'm just like, oh, for
1: So, so yeah, when when they're stretchy like leggings, they're great. I don't know. Somebody secretly made men's uh, jeans stretchy without telling anybody. And I love them. They're like jeggings I, now, and I love I, it. Why
2: would you ever go back to, like, I, not stretchy you know, jeans once right, you've had jeans? Right, it's I, like we, as as a communal, like, hive mind, our society has reached a point of enlightenment in which jeans no longer have to not be stretchy. Like, why would I, we go?
0: Yep, back? I swear. I actually tried on, like, a couple of weeks ago. I have never, until a couple of weeks ago, I'd never worn skinny jeans or anything, like, in my life because it has just never been my style. But I tried on because I was, I was, it's a friend's house and my friend's girlfriend actually was like, yo, do you try on their clothes? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Like as, as one does, like you know. do. <laughs> um, I, I've done that before, like in non, non actually getting clothes context. But, uh, anyway, this she says like my friend's girlfriend says, Hey, we got these, you want these jeans? Like we got them for Sir Sam, but like, they don't fit them. They're like too tight on them. And I'm like, all right. Like I've never worn skinny jeans or anything in, or whatever. And I go and I change and I put them on. And I was like, yo, like, this is like, I fucks with this. This is comfy. Like yeah. I'm not used to the, I'm not used to it being like, so just tight. And I'm like, Oh, this kind of, this, this feels good. Any, any, anyway, they're um, stretchy. Yeah. I might, I might start putting socks on first is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, <laughs> in, exactly in the do I don't know the way my style is going. I, but,
2: I mean, I don't know. I feel like you're still pulling the pant leg over the sock. So all that's happening is that the, like,
0: well, but then you sometimes if you put the pants on first, you'll have to like stretch the the bottom of the pant like, like all the way up. And sometimes it's in order skinny, to get this. Well, be,
2: then you just. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I guess stop so.
1: wearing socks or, <laughs> or
2: like wear <laughs> socks that aren't so tall. Do you know what I mean? Wear socks That'd that do. come to your, you your wear ankle. ankle
1: socks.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: I mean, yes,
0: there are many different variations of socks and ways to put them on, I suppose. But um, <laughs> one thing I think I should not be a lot of. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Oh, I was going to say in terms of not learning lessons, a lesson that I don't learn is that I, however, always forget to take my socks off before I take my pants off. So I'm always getting uh, my pants like tangled in the sock in an effort to get the pant off. But like sometimes that's because I'm just changing from one pair of pants to another pair of pants, but I want to continue to wear socks because my feet are ravaged by ballet. And so it is uncomfortable to be barefoot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I get that.
0: Um, one, one thing there shouldn't be a lot of variation in, though, is the following question. Um, if cereal is a part of your diet and mm. if milk is also a part of your diet, and presumably, as most people do, um, keyword being most, uh, <laughs> put those two things together when you consume them, uh, which comes first, the milk or the cereal?
2: Well, neither of those things are really part of my diet anymore. When I do eat cereal, I tend to eat it or like in like in my adulthood when I have eaten cereal, I eat it as a relatively portable snack in a baggie without milk, mm. which I realize Word. might be a travesty, but it's like a thing that you can take Not with you. Like, it's hard, lots of, you know, like, I have spent so much of my life being a starving artist and being like, I am leaving in the morning and I have, like, a job and then rehearsal and then another job. And I don't want to have to buy food out in the world, so I'm going to take stuff with me that I can eat during the day. And one of the things that, like, you can eat is cereal in a baggie. Very affordable. Um, That's... However, I remember the most complicated milk to cereal ritual that I had in my life, um, which, I mean, when I was a child, definitely um, it was the cereal first and then you add the milk. Like, I can't imagine well doing well. it the other way. Um, <laughs> right. Except, right. except when I was at Oxford, I had this cereal Humble that uh, it's, it's an English cereal. Like, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I had this cereal that I was obsessed with called crunchy nut and I was originally, uh, attracted to it because the advertising slogan, this would only work in England by the way. And like on people like me, the advertising slogan is it's ludicrously delicious And I was like, "Uh we'll see about that cereal. And then I tried it, and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever had. It It is is ludicrously ludicrously delicious. delicious. It (laughs) is ludicrously delicious. It's like a hazelnut cereal. But it is definitely far better with milk. However, the little flakes of Crunchy Nut are best when they are like, have like just been kissed by the milk and not sitting and becoming soggy in the milk for a long time. So what I would do is pour some cereal and then I would pour just a little bit of milk into one side of the bowl and I would tilt the bowl so that it would not touch all of the cereal. And I would just eat the cereal that the milk had touched. And then I would add a little bit more milk and just eat the cereal that the milk had touched. But even in that case, no, like great. I, it was it was weird. In particular, in order to get like the very best experience out of the crunchy nut, but I still had the cereal in there first, and then it's out of the,
1: the people uh, milk for. Er, it's the first milk first we've had in a while. Or okay, no, but that you- was also.
0: That was an ex. Both of those things, the dry cereal and the milk first, were like exceedingly yeah. valid reasons to do that. Like you know, yep. you knew what you wanted out of the milk first type thing. So I'm. I'm I didn't say milk first. In. I said cereal no, you're right, first. You did. You did. And I realized said that. Then a little as bit of milk. But, and yeah. mm, I guess if you're, you know, you're right.
2: You're it's right. con. It, anyway. Yeah, it's continuous milk. I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're, yes, we're kind of a, milk, we're in it. We need. We're in a gray area here. We need to add add something to the the trifecta. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that smirk on your face, too, Ben. I want to say, like, the bringing cereal, eating that out of a baggy dry because, like, you're on the go is a very different thing than pouring yourself a bowl of cereal and then eating it dry with
1: a spoon like you're having breakfast or something. That's what I do. (laughs) And and Zach thinks it's weird. And so does my wife. And so do many other people. But you know what? (laughs) I am what I I I am. What kind
2: of cereal do you eat like that? Because there's some cereal that like I I learned this the hard way. Like it requires milk. Otherwise, it's like a too caustic of an experience to the (laughs) soft (laughs) environment of your mouth.
1: It's special cake.
2: Okay. All right.
1: Oh wow! Okay, Zach thinks that the fact that it is Special K is like especially egregious.
0: Oh, did did I say that? I mean, it would be one thing if it was like Captain Crunch and you're like shredding yourself on that. <laughs> yes, of I, your mean, chest
2: so no, I mean that's definitely. I yeah. had some of, of the dish. like, uh, gosh, what was it? There was like a Dunkin' Donuts cereal that my husband got, oh, and man. like I my my mouth was sore for a couple of
0: days. <laughs> yeah. But what oh, was the God. cereal? Like, what did like?
2: It was like a i i it was some other brand. I'm very bad at remembering brands of things. Um, it, but it was like. But I mean,
0: like, what but, was what did it look like? What was the? the they
2: were like little little sort of uh, crunchy balls, basically. Huh.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm thinking um, cocoa puffs. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. No, they were not. They were they were they were larger than okay. cocoa puffs. Ooh,
0: those are fairly
1: cocoa puffs have that's cereal, the
2: same too. sort of like fruity pebbles texture, right? Cocoa puffs. Uh, um,
1: puffs I couldn't have way.
2: any sugary cereal as a Me, child. And either, so, actually. yeah, that's why <laughs> like my knowledge about cereal types is not always perfect.
0: Mm. Uh, we expect perfection out of your cereal um, knowledge when you come on Shag and Flies. I'm sorry we didn't safe. mention that before.
2: Well, I mean, I I feel like I I referenced Crunchy Nut, which is you know definitely like the hipster cereal. Oh reference.
1: Yeah. talk about an obscure. You
2: can't cereal. even get it in America. Mm.
1: Hey, I
0: got so Irish chip. Cool. I'm gonna go over there and ship oh, a whole palletful. Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh! gosh Can her. you get me a malt loaf too, please? <laughs> <laughs> Just to oh love my those gosh, things.
1: Yes. <laughs> Um, all right, Absolutely. last part of the trifecta: When you brush right. your teeth, water or toothpaste first?
2: I believe I did create a water sandwich, or no, like a toothpaste sandwich with water. Mm. It is first you must wet the toothbrush, water,
1: toothpaste, water, and then
2: toothpaste, and then more mm-hmm. water. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like the times when I am absent-minded and I don't remember to do the second water, I'm always like, whoa, like, what the hell yeah. <laughs> okay. what <is> this? Man, <laughs> we're
0: on the same page. This is the one that we feel like any of variation in the first two answers, it's like, you know, okay, you do what you do. Everybody is different. I am not going to be critical or judge your personal preferences <laughs> in any way. But like, if you straight up, go straight up into your mouth with the toothpaste, like you, crazy man, you, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely That's the that one crazy. we actually have had. I think we're like, like, we've still only had, this is our 22nd episode, we've only had one person, like, not use water in any capacity. So it's easily
1: the most That's unanimous horrifying. of the three. I know, I know. <laughs> Did you
2: ask to look at their gums?
1: I know, right? We should have. <laughs> should um have. You know what's funny like is when I... Well, and it's yeah. bad, because now we so, get to put them on blast every single time we do this. I know. This nice. God bless them. Poor Justin. Um So we... um it's funny I asked this I asked this question at the uh, at the bar I was at tonight to a group of it was probably you know ten people and this severely divided the table like <laughs> I, I mean people were like one guy was just like look ask your dental hygienist they will tell you you are not supposed to use any water at all like there's apparently some kind of reason for it I mean like this was this divided the table. People were this like, "Sounds like oh, a distraught. question
2: for Doctor Google."
1: Right? Crazy stuff. <laughs> ask man. Jeeves. Bring him back up. Crazy stuffs. <laughs> yeah, we gotta ask. Ask Mister James. Um, okay, so you. So this are, is the question.
2: The following is the question yes. that divided your friends and had them at each other's throats.
1: Yeah. It, no, no. 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 The question was the toothpaste one. Yeah, that was really that divided the table. That divided How? the table. Was toothpaste or water first? Yeah, it was. It was weird, and I was like, "You see why I asked this question?" Yeah. Um, because people care about it a lot. Um, <laughs> all right, I want to ask. So you, uh, as uh, as an actor in mm-hmm. movies and television and stage, I feel like you would be especially uh, qualified for this question. Uh-oh. Baseball movies. Uh huh. What's your favorite? Do you have a least favorite? if you do, what is it?
2: Are you aware that my husband and I have a podcast in which we grade baseball oh, movies on the 20 to 80 scouting scale yep. used for baseball prospects? Okay. Yes. Um, are you, are you aware? That.
1: Are you it's aware weird. that, uh, I wrote an article, an entire article on the 15 best baseball movies of all time. And, uh, three that I really don't like. And you have not invited me on your podcast. I'm putting you on blast right now. Ellen, I'm just
2: kidding. <laughs> oh, Look, look right now. I'm Here is mad. an Don't invitation in to I'm be mad. on our podcast as Wonderful. soon as we can figure out how to do it. Um, <laughs> the only time that we've had a guest, cause we just record like both of our mics plugged into Eric's computer. Yeah. I am yeah. the least technologically inclined person born in the 1980s is the like moniker that I've given myself. And uh, so Eric has to deal with all of that stuff. And we, we have tried on a number of occasions just to like have me record in our because you know we live in New York so we have two rooms in our apartment in the like two different rooms and we haven't been able to get it to work. I am on many podcasts. It's clear that like we should be able to get it to work. We just haven't been able to get it to work yet. It is. So it is
1: all good. But no, I. The I only time we had a guest,
2: that. it was because somebody came to our house. Yeah,
1: I will talk your ear off about them, but I want to hear your favorite baseball movie, and if you have a least favorite, what is it?
2: Great. Um, I don't know that I like similar to baseball players. I don't. It's hard to choose one.
1: (laughs) Or one of your favorites. It doesn't have to be the favorite. but
2: I mean, the objectively best baseball movie is Sugar. Um, oh, love I
1: love this answer.
2: I don't know that it is my favorite mm. because I don't think that it is. I think it's really an immigrant story and not a baseball story. So the
1: best baseball movies aren't about baseball.
2: I think, I don't know. That's maybe true. Of maybe. course, I'm maybe. always very, um, strongly advocating for a high amount of baseball score in any film that we review. Um, so I think my, I mean, my lifelong favorite is a league of their own. I think it is a fantastic film and it is a baseball movie and that it like culminates in a big game. And Mm -hmm. the whole journey is about these baseball players becoming better versions of themselves. Um, but I, uh, Obviously, I feel like no list of favorite baseball movies is complete without Bull Durham. And I quite like 42 also. Oh, I think it's one of my favorites. I think like I dislike so many biopics, but I feel like it avoids many of the pitfalls that biopics have. Um I'll just, yeah, I'll let those be my answers mm. for today. Um, good
0: answers it's a good spread uh, good spread yeah Least yeah, yeah, yeah
2: favorite yeah. so the most recent baseball movie that we watched on our podcast it's not so uh like tomorrow our episode on soul of the game is coming out which is actually mm. a, a quite good movie like i would l- rank it above many baseball movies that are like people's favorites and then they would be mad at me and i would be like soul of the game is a way better movie than the natural and they'd be mad so oh, um yeah. yes i'm just gonna go ahead and assert that right now um but uh we just watched summer catch
1: hmm, i don't and- know that one
2: I don't know that is my least favorite because I think my least favorite baseball movie of all time is The Benchwarmers, but I will say oh. I was in complete misery watching Summer Catch. Like the notes that I took were notes like I want to murder suicide this movie.
1: <laughs> oh my god. I I won't go into the rant on it, but have you seen Trouble with the Curve?
2: No. Um, no, I, we we have wait. been told can't by wait. so many people that it's really terrible. And so, so we have been waiting for a week when we feel like we have the spiritual and emotional bad. resources to take that movie on. And it, I mean, we started our podcast last year, so it has been 2020 or 2021 during the entirety of the time, which means we never have the spiritual and emotional resources to take on Trouble with the Curve. It will happen, though. <laughs>
1: That's the episode I want to be on. is Because is I have catch- so many thoughts on it. is that Ben
0: didn't Sarah tell us about that movie or was that a different one
1: was that? Oh, was that the one? She um, might have also
0: mentioned that as as her bad pick. I'll have to go back and listen to that. But that sounds really familiar. Oh my because
1: god, it's Freddie yeah. no, right. Jr. You're absolutely yeah. right. That Jessica, was I, that was the Jessica one Biel too, yeah. Yep. yeah,
2: yeah. Which
1: yeah. it's interesting. Like, we really do. get... Right, because it was the Cape Cod it. Baseball League. That's right. Because yes. Sarah was she she was like super psyched about it being about the Cape Cod Baseball League, and then was disappointed well, that to it to was such it. a terrible it's been movie.
0: Brought up twice. Yeah. Yeah,
2: and and. It's like he also I spoiler alert he's signed by the Phillies at the end. Oh. And I'm just like can't the don't the Phillies get like a better movie than this well like where they're the good guys instead of like look at these racists um uh sorry look at these people perpetuating racist stereotypes uh so i like to try not to label human beings um so uh yes you
0: might be able to make an exception for but
2: i mean he, he gets pretty close yeah um anyway it's it's uh it's disappointing all around Um, And like, the thing is, when we do our podcast, we have to watch the movie twice, you know, so like having seen it once already being like, Oh, God, now (laughs) I got it. Like, it took me, I'm not kidding, an entire day to make it through the movie. The second time, because I kept on being like, I'm just I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna like, go outside for a second. I'm gonna take a walk. (laughs) I'm gonna take out the dog. I'm gonna write for a minute. Like, Oh, like, maybe I need to vacuum. Like, I just I did not.
0: So is wanna that like it. a concentration thing? Like you just don't want to watch it or it's like, it makes you cringe or like, what's... It,
2: it like it, it. I mean, it made me miserable. I, <laughs> it just made me miserable. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Made me um, want to just get out of my skin. Yep. It made me want to not be around anymore. <laughs>
1: I've heard, I, <laughs> I've heard,
2: I've heard I, bad things. I,
1: yeah.
0: That's what I, I mean, that's what I get. What watching like, what do you call it? It's like secondhand embarrassment. I get really horrible secondhand embarrassment from like, from movies and tv world. yeah like i just can't watch this person doing so like, that's not, not the same thing as like bad movies or bad acting but i you're like uh, god someone so... greenlit this and made this <laughs>
2: yeah yeah but, yeah, uh, okay. yeah.
0: So yeah. uh, our. Next I mean, question. the benchwarmers
2: is the worst because they posit that you can play baseball with three people, which just like <laughs> right off the bat, I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't take this. And yeah. also, like, it's it's a actually m- sort of mean spirited movie. Like, it's supposed to be about getting back at the bullies, but it's a bunch of like adults getting back at like bullying the bullies. Like, how does that? yeah help the world progress actually not at all
0: it's definitely one of those movies where it's like when i was i think it came out i must have been like maybe 11 or so when it came i was like right in the demographic when it came out like 2006 2007 something like that it's definitely one of those movies where like as a kid you think it's the funniest thing in the world and you look back and it's like maybe not
2: Actually <laughs> there Just was like, a good oh. joke in it though. There were some moments that like genuinely made me laugh, which is something that I cannot say for Ed, for example.
0: <laughs> John is uh, hilarious, I think.
2: Uh his uh I don't know, I don't know his character in that movies. movie. I think he's a great actor. Um, but yeah, in that movie I was like his character, what is going on. But yeah, there were a couple of jokes that made me laugh in that movie.
1: Sometimes it's a yeah. <sighs>
2: i um, named anyways. a number for both
1: <laughs> no, no 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 that's great anyways that's the uh, <laughs> no 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 it's perfect oh jack did we lose you again nope, oh, no, you're i was back. just making
0: sure that i wasn't like cutting out No,
1: you're good like you're good um, um yeah we want to move forward for the next question
0: to yeah, yeah which Zach, is go um, ahead yeah one of one of our favorites and mm-hmm. it's quite simple uh have yeah. you ever seen a ghost or something that makes you go hmm or that you could not explain or a ufo or something not of our terrestrial selves
1: as we might say something weird
2: oh friends um i i have seen a couple of ghosts in my life
1: hit me with every detail of that um story.
2: yes so i saw um I saw the first ghost that I saw in a particular period of my life when I like had started meditating but I didn't know like I didn't really know what I was doing I was just sort of doing the like uh, opening myself up but being not smart about how to, knowing how to close myself down can so I, I had a lot Can of- I
1: hit pause real briefly because it's super yeah. cool that you meditate. Uh, do you still do it?
2: I do. I have my own version of meditation. Let's say,
1: what's your, what's your meditation flavor? I'm very curious.
2: Um, I mean, I, I almost don't know how to uh, – I'm a crazy person is the answer no, that no, no, I no. want to have to great. think. Like I, um, I basically – I like go up and talk to my spirit guides.
1: That's great. I love that.
2: So it's not, yeah. it's not like yeah. a totally <laughs> passive thing. Um, like there will be parts of it. It Like in a way it can be a guided meditation because yeah. they will tell me what to do. They'll be like, okay, like, let's just chill out for a second. And just like, imagine the place that you imagine when you're just chilling out and not thinking about anything. And then we'll bring you up to the place where like we talk and then we'll talk for a while. Um, yeah. But like, it's, the, I mean, I have a meditating practice that is also around like talking to, to characters and like asking for the like their spirit to like help me with the thing that I'm about to do. There's, so yeah, when I yeah. say acting as a spiritual exercise, I mean that very literally. <laughs> no, no,
1: I, It's not that far of a jump from doing like a uh, you know, one of my favorite people is Jack Kornfield. He does some guided meditations that are brilliant and doing that and doing like um, um, this practice he calls loving kindness of where you are like Talking and, like, uh, you know, speaking well wishes, for lack of a better term, Mm. to a person you're imagining or to yourself or to whatever you're imagining. Not that far of a jump to what you're doing. So I I totally get that. Love it. But, anyways, I just briefly wanted to, that's super cool. Yeah. No, but I haven't ever
2: done a like, it's always been sort of my own process, which is why I, you know, was doing it poorly for a while. Yeah. So no, 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 this is yeah. not, I was not meditating while I saw a ghost, okay. but like okay. a lot of, uh, kind of scary stuff happened to me in this one year before I sort of, cause I do. So my theory is like, I sort of think you see ghosts if you're open to seeing ghosts. Um, sure. yeah. and, yeah. and, I, and Definitely. I, I think that you'd, Don't if you're not open to seeing them And so that's kind of why people who Don't believe in ghosts for the most part Until maybe something crazy happens to them Are going to continue to not see ghosts Mine was nothing about wanting to see ghosts or anything I was just like stupid And just kind of like opening myself up like an antenna So all kinds of like Stuff was just grabbing onto me and being like We're going to make you see this And I was like no I don't want to see that So um, because I didn't know to make rules All you got to do is make rules So I don't want to see ghosts anymore So I don't see ghosts Um, so I, the first ghost that I saw, it was in my dad's house and I saw, I saw him on two separate occasions. This, I call him little 18th century gentleman. He had like a sort of a, a square brown coat and like white knee socks and he was short, but I just saw him for a second and then he went away. And then, like, I saw him again a second time, and then he went away, and that was it. I mean, it scared the shit out of me. Um, My dad's theory is that, like, they had just had – they got, like, a shipment of some Swedish furniture in – and uh, that like maybe the, the the guy was like hanging out with the furniture and like didn't have anywhere else to go. Anyway, I've never seen that ghost uh, since in my dad's house. So I think he was just passing through. Um, and he was benign. Like I was very yeah. scared at the time. But like in comparison to some other things that did not feel benign, he felt pretty benign. And then the other ghost was... Um, Uh, This was, again, before I, like, before I knew to ask to not see ghosts. Um, I was in, I was staying in this playwright friend's house in Dorchester, Massachusetts. And uh, he had, like, told me the key is under the rock. They were all out on the Cape making theater for the summer. But I was going to stay there while I was doing a play. And so nobody was in the house, but I opened the door the way that like, when you go into a house that you've never been in before and there's not somebody with you, you're kind of just like feeling out the house a little bit. This is like also, you know, a mid 19th century, like Massachusetts Dorchester mansion, as you might expect.
1: These old New England houses, man. This is not the first time. And I was just like,
2: oh, there's somebody here like I can I just can tell that there's somebody here in the house. I don't know how I know it. I think it was because if I'd walked in there with somebody else like carrying my suitcases being like blah 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 I probably wouldn't have noticed it because I was by myself scoping out the house. So I go through the house expecting to find a live person and do not find a live person. And, you know, his little nice note on the kitchen table is like, take either of the bedrooms on the in the very top floor of the house. So I go to those two rooms and one of the rooms I was like, "Mm, not this room, just not this room. And so I went to the I went I chose the other one. And the main way that the ghost manifested is that she would open and close doors on floors that I was not on. And I was alone in this house, but like I'd be on the top floor and I would hear the doors like below me open and close, or I'd be in the bathroom on the second floor and I would hear like the basement door open and close. And so I was like, okay, there's a ghost here, obviously. Um, and I have a feeling that like the ghost's main place is that room. That I was just like, oh, not this room. I mean, I think it also had like clown wallpaper or something. Maybe that's in my memory. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but uh, I definitely like in the daytime I could kind of handle it, and at night the like the opening and closing of doors really wow. sort of freaked me out. So I yeah. would close my own door in my little room and just like with my mind just be like, this is my space. Like in this room is my space. And, uh, maybe like the second or third night that I was there, I heard like, like, uh, it wasn't like knocking. It was just like a sort of a blank, like blam against the door. Like it was just like a force hitting the door. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I woke up and I, To me, this is like somehow the scariest part of it. I looked at the clock and it was like, I think my husband is coming home, by the way, like my dog is excited. Um, So, sorry about the sounds for a second. You're fine. So, I uh, looked at the clock and it was exactly three o'clock. And then I looked at the door and the door opened part way and then all the way. And then I saw the ghost coming in, like I could just, I couldn't see her as well as I could see the little, uh, uh, 18th century gentleman. I, but I could sort of see like her outline of her big sort of like mid 19th century skirt against the wallpaper. And I was just like, Oh God, Oh God, no, don't, don't, don't come over here. Please don't come over here. Please just don't come over here. And I, uh, went to sleep and I had a dream about a cat demon with the face of a person trying to get into the house. And I went to rehearsal that day and, oh, oh, and in the dream, uh, my friend, Larry Cohen, who has since passed. I miss you, Larry. In the dream, he was playing like a Friar Lawrence type. And he was like, you just have to, I'm trying to remember exactly what he said but he said something like you just have to let the cat know what the rules are and so I went to rehearsal that day and I t- told Larry who is friends with the playwright who owned this house I told Larry about the dream and he said oh is this is probably about the ghost that lives in that house and I was like oh, oh yes man. Thank you. He could have told me that way. Like. Oh man. Yeah, right. You could have told me about that. Um and he was like he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you just need to like talk to the ghost and tell the ghost what the rules are." Um so oh my God. I went home and I went into the like clown wallpaper room and I said to the ghost I was like, "Okay, I get it. Like I uh, I you know that I know that you're here and that's exciting to you. Um but I am too scared when you do things to me at night when it is dark out. I'm sorry. I'm just like not strong enough. But uh, you can do whatever you want during the day where I just feel like a little bit more grounded and secure. And she never bothered me again at night. But she would during the day. She would like open and close doors and stuff like that. So that's my second story. That's
1: crazy.
0: So do you think there was anything to like the cat demon thing in the dream or was that just like a placeholder to let you know? I think it was just a
2: placeholder. There was independently – I'm very allergic to cats and there was independently a cat that sometimes one of the owners of the house would let into the house and feed. Um, So there was this cat, like there was a neighbor's cat that kept on trying to get into the house. But I was like, like, cat, no, I don't want you to get into the house. like. I you make me sneeze, and you're not my responsibility, and I'm not gonna like buy cat food for the neighbor's cat. So I think that that's where the cat element came from, and like my brain did a mishmash. But yes,
1: that's wild, man. That's (laughs) oh my god. That's see, I love I love these ghost stories. That's that's one of the best. Yeah, you or DJ sorry uh, DJ, dj short yeah. dj was definitely dj had oh an incredible i'm gonna ghost have to go too. back and listen to it oh yeah you should dj's uh ghost story was wild it was that was like it was similar a, to your 18th century gentleman yeah, type thing yeah um, it was just there, like so, hey there's a guy I, here and we see him and so, uh yeah that's it yeah pretty it's, pretty straightforward but um but actually
2: she was also a nice ghost. Like by the end of my time there, I came to feel like she was sort of just like, Oh yeah, like the ghost sort of the way that Larry said. But like when I was initially all by myself in this big, like, you know, old yeah. Massachusetts house, I was terrified.
0: You weren't um, quite sure whether it was benevolent or malevolent. You just had a funny yeah, feeling yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I do want to ask you one more thing before we keep moving on to the even great more random stuff. Uh, and it is, if you could have a superpower, any kind
2: of
0: your choice, what would it be?
2: Well, I don't know if this is a superpower. So I have uh, predictably, I have two answers to this. The first answer is that if it could be anything, I would love to just be able to like load in information matrix style.
0: Oh, yeah, or abilities. Sure. do you know what I
2: mean? Just be like yeah, like yeah. I can speak Mandarin and yeah. you know, like Just do ballroom dance. I mean, and martial arts would be super cool too. I don't even need to be able to like float or something like that. Yeah <laughs> that would be absolutely the first thing that I would choose. Um, and then, if it were an actual superpower, I feel like teleportation um provided that I could specify that like I can take a suitcase with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something I can carry. You can,
1: you can carry, right. an yeah, carry an object. Yeah, carry an object
0: a little bit if you can't take anything with you.
1: Yeah. Well, it's yeah. like in the in the the sense like Nightcrawler and the X Men can teleport, but he can teleport whoever he's touching.
2: Mm, so like yes. if you're
1: holding a suitcase and you could teleport with a suitcase, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: that would be sweet. Because
2: I feel like it would it would just be super useful. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, and I think yeah. also, le- yeah, like in terms of. Uh, just cutting down on my commute time. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like uh, you could use it every single day and you would just end up having so much more time in your life. But also I could just be like, you know where I really miss, I miss that like garden in, the, you know, Boboli Gardens in Florence. And I just like to go there for a mm-hmm. second. And I could just, Those you know, go there yeah. for a couple of hours and then just come home like no big deal. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like it would actually be a good superpower because I could be like, I mean, I do feel like probably what would end up happening is that I would suddenly feel responsible to use it all the time. But so many instances, when I'm like, there are, you know, villages in Haiti that don't have any water or food. And if only somebody could get to them, if I could put a bunch of water and food in my suitcase, get it to them, you know, come back to where the water and food was, bring it to them again. Um, you know, it would be an actually good Super power. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for
0: real. That's great. I mean, you ever you ever go to bed and just re- realize you forgot something somewhere?
1: Of all You're something the time. Get out of bed again? Imagine you just be yeah, like, I gotta go all the way downstairs. Yeah, exactly, yep. exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. So we talk See, about that all better. the time
2: when we have two rooms. You know what I mean? Oh, can, like, I, I live in a townhouse,
1: and it's yeah.
2: In our living room, and we've like forgotten our phone in the darkened living room, and we're like, oh god, I gotta go all the way back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, process <laughs> exactly. Process at that point.
1: Um, all right. Well, I want to move on to the final little section here. Excellent. That we call the full count. We are going to ask you for a recommendation in each of five categories. Okay. Um, two, full count. Three and two full count. Get it? Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> so um, w- the thing I always preface this by saying is that it does not have to, whatever your recommendation is, does not have to be something obscure or anything fancy. It just whatever first thing that pops in your head. That's what I want to hear. Whatever it is. So great. With that in mind, the first recommendation I would like is books. What is a book that you would recommend?
2: So I would recommend the book Cloud Atlas. Ah, and I know there
1: was a movie. I never read. The I book. would
2: recommend that the movie be Scorched from the Earth. <laughs> um, it is like it is. As soon as I heard they were making a movie out of that book, I was like, this is not possible. Um, And the movie, it, to my mind, is nothing like the book and sort of misrepresents a lot of things that are in the book and like sort of does things that it thinks are fancy that I think obfuscate what is really great about the book. Uh, And yeah, it's just, it's probably um, the least obnoxious of my favorite books um so i feel like i can recommend that well i also really like the art of fielding that is also one of my favorite books that is not obnoxious but like maybe my three favorite books in the world are all like freaking huge and i wouldn't tell somebody necessarily to read them (laughs)
0: uh what are they what are they they? at least least one of them yeah i was a lit major too so i mean like i'm
2: you know at least one of them is that what you said
1: no, no, I'd I'd like to hear at least one of them.
2: Oh, uh, uh, Ulysses is my favorite book. Oh
1: my God, yes!
2: And oh um, God. Infinite Jest is also one of my favorite books, and uh, Middlemarch. They're all like you know you could knock somebody out with Infinite Jest.
1: Is one of those books that like one day I want to read it.
0: Oh, it's so but, good! Like
1: has, it's so has, hard. Has <laughs>
0: Has anyone ever made a podcast about Ulysses? I feel like that book is so perfect for some kind of like. Oh, scene. yeah! I've like tried somebody. It's <laughs> I, tough, man. oh my goodness! Have you ever have you ever done a Bloomsday thing? I'm sorry. Yes. I'm taking this to like three hours.
2: No, no, no! <laughs> no. I got
0: I gotta <laughs> know where, where 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 and when.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. I. Well. I guess I for a number of years I was in Bloomsday on Broadway. Um, and last year there wasn't one, and that's the first year that I hadn't done it in a while. Um, so that is just, you know, actors reading part of the book. But it was, I mean, it's been my favorite book since, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was in my early 20s. So I, it's not my favorite book because of doing that, but doing that is very special oh, to me because it's my favorite book.
0: I, 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 I'm awesome. going to cut myself off because I could talk for like another hour about, about Ulysses. You know, it's funny. You're, I have <laughs> tried,
1: and, and maybe Ulysses is different, uh, but I tried diving into joyce uh, with portrait of the artist I as a young it. man I and i just could not get past the the language the prose it Switched just was so of, it's so hard i mean I one know. day it's i'm going to it, like it's, ultimately- it's a book for people who
2: like ultimately want yeah, who like want their book to be like a poem challenging. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. Um so yeah, like I, I get that. that that's why I'm not recommending Ulysses. That's why I'm recommending Cloud Atlas. Because <laughs> I think like it is probably also a Lit nerd book, but it is I think more accessible. And if uh anybody who's listening to this podcast and reads Cloud Atlas, if you're sort of struggling with the very first section, um just like press ahead. That's all I'm going to say, because I don't want to ruin yep. anything else. That's
1: what I tell people about Lord of the Rings, too. Fellowship. And
2: it, yes. Yeah,
1: you got you yeah. to push through. you got to like push through pages. Tom
2: Bombadil, and like yeah, it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Once you get to Moria, you're good. If you ever want to read Fellowship, once you get to Moria, you are set the rest of the way. Uh, but anyways.
0: Regardless. Uh, recommendation number two of the full count is food, which can be a restaurant, a recipe, a dish, an ingredient, anything food related.
2: So one of my favorite dishes in the world is Vietnamese bun. It's spelled like B U N. I also love pho so, like, if it's cold, I want fa, and if it's not cold, I want boon. Is pretty much like I could eat either of those every single day of my life, and I mean the same like vermicelli rice noodles that are the uh, building block of fa are also the building block of boon, and uh, but they are they have been steamed, but they are sort of served room temperature with lettuce and little pickles and mint and. Uh, basil. And uh, it's basically like a noodle salad. And the sauce comes on the side. And the sauce is good. It's sort of like, a I don't know, it's kind of like the fish sauce is clearly one of the components. However, I prefer to bastardize this dish and ask for peanut sauce instead. Um, oh, and there's always a protein. Uh, well, sometimes I I, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a vegetarian one, to be honest. But, um, you know, so you can get like chicken or pork or, you know, a spring roll or shrimp or whatever it is on top of it. Um, And it's just like clean. And I just love peanut sauce. It's like a peanut sauce noodle salad. And it's freaking great.
1: Huh. Yeah, I've never had. I've had pho, but I've never had uh, bun.
0: There's there's a pho place like fairly close to my my house maybe i'll check this out
2: probably it also has yeah. boon but like see if it has if it like the sauce that it normally comes on the side is fine but it is much better with peanut sauce <laughs> like okay just Interesting.
1: noted noted yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> report back to us on that um all right next recommendation movies and or tv
2: Oh, God. Movies and or TV. I should
1: be like, uh, there's like three episodes of Bull that I really think you should watch.
2: Oh, God, no, please. (laughs) Um, uh, That's hilarious. Um, uh, Well... I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is the Kenneth Branagh's Henry V that we talked about before. Um, So that's definitely. This is hard because, like, this is my life, right? And there's so many fantastic television shows. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: that's and that's why first thing that pops in your head, Henry V is great. Or if you have another one where you're like, it doesn't have to be your favorite or anything like that. It's man, we just finished the the chair.
2: And I just loved it so much. And I just wanted it to chair. be like 12 episodes and not six. It's really, really great. I don't um, know the chair. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's about an, like, college English department. It's uh, Sandra Oh and uh, Jay Duplas And, like, ah, they, they're, the uh, it's, it's really, really good. And it's like six half-hour episodes. So it's basically like a sort of a long movie. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's really excellent. Um, it might be one of my favorite things that I've seen this year. Although oh, wow. I also really loved the Loki show. Um, Loki's I think great. Loki's good. Yeah. It is. I like, I, I don't, I enjoy the Marvel like umbrella genre, um, but I don't necessarily see every single movie in it, but I will say that like the Loki show is my favorite of any like marvel on camera thing that i have ever seen it was the thing that was like most uh i don't know like fucking with the same stuff that i'm fucking with basically yeah Yeah.
1: it's a wild and kind of weird show and it, it takes a lot of risks that um i think mcu movies don't necessarily And that's kind of something I like about the phase the MCU is uh, or Marvel in general is entering now where they're kind of like, all right, we did our Avengers. We made a bajillion dollars and now we can kind of maybe take some risks with like our TV shows and stuff like that, which, which is good because it needs that desperately We need a little more variety. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know,
2: one show that was like my favorite, just speaking of like weird, uh, Sort of limited series of the last few years. I don't even remember what year this was because, like, time is a flat circle. But uh, Maniac,
1: (laughs) so good. Uh, Maniac,
2: great. Yes, I think about that show all the time. I wish more TV were like. (laughs) It's
1: so weird because Maniac kind of came out and everyone was like, "This is great," and then like everyone kind of left it, and it was just (laughs) kind of like, "Okay, cool. It's great. It's uh, Jonah Hill and Emma Stone." And they, it's it's on Netflix. I think it was a Netflix miniseries. Yeah. Um, but man, the the acting is brilliant. Uh, the the story is super interesting. I mean, it's it's Carrie. uh, Was it Carrie Fukunaga? Fukunaga. Fukunaga. Yeah. I'm. I'm. uh, Yeah. I think that's how you pronounce it. But Carrie Fukunaga is. I don't know any better than you do. (laughs) He's wonderful. He's. Um. If I remember correctly, I want to say Carrie Fukunaga did True Detective or was involved in that. But anyways, I can be you know, real
2: dumb about this stuff. Like I shouldn't be, but I, can't he was, uh,
1: it. yeah, he's so yeah. Carrie Fuganaga is brilliant. Uh, and yeah, love that choice. It's, uh, it's, oh yeah, he was, he did do true detective. Yep.
2: Great. Well then I, out. I'm so glad that I said time is a flat circle. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: there you go. Look at Specifically
2: about that show. Yes. It
1: Perfect. It really, really
0: is. Um, so, sticking with the pop culture, we have not talked at all about music on this episode of Shag and Flies, which is something that we frequently uh, do a lot talk about music. Yeah, that is not not talk about music. Uh, so, give us a music
1: recommendation, oh, album, um, artist, song, band, whatever. Does, whatever does not matter. No pressure.
2: All right, I don't feel cool about music most of the time. All right, do not so have to. He, here's my recommendation. Um, I discovered this. Band through the miracle of Spotify in the last year. And I don't even totally know how to pronounce their name, but it is the letter four and it is K E U S. Four Cus. Je ne sais okay. pas. Um, oh, okay. they're, uh, it's like a, a French hip hop group. And I love French hip hop and they use a lot of sort of like Afro pop songs. So my favorite song that like this is the song that got me through some like dark days in the past uh, pandemic um, is called Mignon Garcon. And it is Hmm. just uh, completely delightful. And I like a lot of their music, um, but I like it best when it's sort of like has those Afropop elements to it um, because I think that that's just, I don't know if it's because like my dad is a folklorist and I grew up yeah, like, yeah. listening to a lot of world music and stuff like that, that I really love it when pop incorporates sort of world music elements. That's
1: super cool. Yeah. I've never heard of them, but I'll have to check them out. I love and that's why
2: like Paul Simon is, you know, just one of my favorites. So Oh
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, Graceland.
2: Yeah. If if but you know, Like Rhythm of the Saints, there have been periods in my life where I've been like, if I could have three Desert Island discs, I would take Graceland and Rhythm of the Saints and like something else because I think it's like just as good and isn't quite as known by people.
1: Yeah, it doesn't get the uh, – later era, Paul Simon is still like quite good. It does not get the appreciation it deserves. But anyways, the final recommendation to wrap all this up. This category is miscellaneous. Anything from your life, this can be a practice, a gadget, a person, a place, a thing, a, just literally anything from your life that you would recommend to somebody else. And again, does not have to be clever or anything like that. The first thing that pops in your head, that is what I want to hear.
2: I recommend my husband, Eric Gilby, because he's great. <laughs>
1: I will. I'll check them out. Oh, yeah, I'll <laughs> yeah. put that right in the um, notes. I <laughs> think, it.
2: uh, uh, Well, it's hard because I feel like a very closely held tenet for me is like never tell other people how to live their lives. Um, but I think something and maybe this kind of goes back to some of the earlier stuff that we were talking about is – Something that's very helpful for me is recognizing that what we do as humans is create narrative. Like narrative is the natural byproduct of our lives. To the point that I think we are here as human beings in order to create connections with other people and in order to create stories. We are all always creating stories. And so something that is helpful for me is realizing I'm creating a story, looking at the story, looking at the facts and then thinking, is this story useful to me? And like, given the facts that are here, could I maybe tell a different story that would be more useful to me? Given that I'm probably going to be telling a story of one kind or another. Um, I fail at this all the time, but that is something that I try to do. (laughs)
1: That's fantastic. Uh, I love wonderful. that wonderful. That's a great And I cannot I cannot think of a better way to cap off this podcast. Um very philosophical. And and so to do that, to conclude everything, Ellen, <laughs> I want to thank you so, <laughs> so so much for being here on the podcast. This is has been wonderful. It has been an absolute joy to talk to you. Um and yeah, yeah. Just well, I hope
2: you. I'm your new best friend. Absolutely. Are you really kidding <laughs> me?
1: Are you kidding me? Absolutely. This has been this has been one of my favorite episodes to do. Yes. One you One of my favorite conversations.
2: That. No, no, no. I'm, I'm dead serious. I was hoping I would break the record, but it's okay that I didn't.
1: No, 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 no. It's uh, it's
0: it's. Look, all due respect to like past guests, we could if we get past two hours, it generally.
1: Between- yeah, absolutely. Cool. I, it, yeah. It's yeah, this has been wonderful. So anyways, Anything just also, a,
0: yeah.
1: Yes. Just just like the intro. That thing's
0: always kind of